<laughs> yeah, Dad, I totally pinned and creamed him. <laughs> we must purify the land. No. No? No. Why no on that one? <laughs> because that sounds racist. Hello and welcome to Ramjack. See my professional spirit investigators and orthonologists for hire. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is John Pernasek, substituting in for Alex Green once again, and over there, bruised, broken, battered, a shell of a man crawling forward towards nothing on a broken wasteland is Brad Couples. Brad, I know how you're doing. Tell us how you're doing. Um, I'm a little frazzled, guys. I'm gonna be honest. A little frazzle-dazzled. It's been a long day or two, um, yeah. But you're here. You're recording. I am. I you am. You tough guy. <laughs> <laughs> tell us Tell us a little bit about your strifes and troubles Well, there's been many. there have been many strifes and troubles. There's a couple I'm going to save for uh, for the next episode. For the record, an episode of Ramjack starting with a story about Brad's strifes and troubles? <laughs> Shocking. <laughs> I'm going to save some of strifes. Unprecedented. But here's one strife. I, I ran out to get uh, Avengers on the Blu-ray today because it was on sale like for crazy cheap at Target. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, ooh, this will be fun. I'll watch. I'll watch some 3D superheroes fight, and it'll be fun. You do that voice, and I imagine you skipping <laughs> to and fro. I want to see him beat him up. <laughs> I want to see an old-fashioned superhero caper. <laughs> um, so I, I grab it at Target. A wonderful deal. $16 for the 3D Blu-ray, which is awesome. That is, ri- that is ridiculous. It is. <laughs> what a crazy deal. Where it's, it's the 3D Blu-ray, the regular Blu-ray, the DVD, the digital copy, the soundtrack. And what? The, the, Target has like a, an exclusive bonus disc of more oh, features. Boy. The Target always does that, and I am never interested. <laughs> no, I'm not either. It's just like, all right, more things. Why it's is this probably, one? Di- why is this one thing so heavy? It's probably just a collection of JPEGs they saved from a Google image search of the Avengers, and most uh-huh. of it is from the 1998 film starring Sean Connery and Ralph Fiennes. I maybe <laughs> no, I'll never find out. It's You'll impossible. never know. I'll never know. But I get home and I pop it in the PS3 and I press the power button on my television. Beer. And the television doesn't turn on. (laughs) It sort of sputters, there's a spark, and then it keels over. I wish. I wish there was even that. The little little Vizio light on the front comes on, but the television does not start. Hmm. So you you have a repairman coming. You have a repairman coming. Yeah, I I got online um, to the Vizio support, and it took forever. And they were asking all this. One of the questions they ask you is, what date did you buy it? Where was the location? And how much did you pay for it? Hmm. <laughs> and I was like, what? Well, it was out of the back of a van, and I bought it for $48 from a man named Pedro. <laughs> I was like, um, uh, I didn't know I needed to have this prepared when I went to the support. Hmm. I, like, I'm, like, I had to, like, um, check my bank statement. I was like, all right, how much was this? Um... <laughs> Did you at least have the info on hand of, like, the serial number and all I did, that? because I held on to the box for the television. Uh, oh. <laughs> You've just been using it as a fort, and now it's actually had a practical purpose. Yeah, I, I've had it just, like, stuffed in the closet, because I'm, I'm always, you know, I'm always worried that I may have to sell the television and stop some crazy circumstance that's happened in my life. Mm-hmm. Which is, you know, very feasible. Brad coming up against strifes and struggles. Exactly. I like how I'm saying strifes and struggles. I wasn't going to say anything. I was going to let that go. No, I, I very purposefully have been doing it. Oh, those struggles. Is it Ralph Fiennes or Rafe Fiennes? He is so fine. What is his name pronounced as? <laughs> Ralph? Rafe? I don't know. Yeah, so there's a TV repairman coming in the next three to five days. Oh, he's going to gross you out. You're going to hate him. Oh, surely. 
I just I'm I find it fascinating that we still have TV repairmen. Yeah, it's uh I don't I can't think of anything more anachronistic. Maybe like a milkman. <laughs> yeah, like what parts does he carry? What do you what do you do with like these new you know super high tech TVs? I don't know. I hope he doesn't try to chit chat yet because you are not a fan of chit chat. <laughs> oh, I hate the chit chat. How about this weather? I wouldn't know. I haven't left my house. <laughs> <laughs> Get away from me, you. Oh, my you Starbucks my is being box. remodeled, and I have to go to the other coffee shop now. What is this other coffee shop? You've mentioned this on Twitter. Uh, a Caribou Coffee, perhaps? A it's, Joe Muggs? I don't know what this it's is. A, it's a Mammoth Coffee on Monmouth. Oh, oh I've never heard of Mammoth Coffee. <laughs> mammoth Coffee is a Xerox company. <laughs> mammoth Coffee, I've not heard of either. <laughs> it's, it's a little mom and pop. Oh, okay. Well, that's that's nice. You're, you know, promoting a local business. You're helping them stay alive. Here's the thing about mom and pops. They chit-chat. They love to chit-chat. <laughs> and that's what we have established. Because they want to be super friendly. They want to be your local friendly coffee shop. And I want to be left the fuck alone. Well, hi there. You're a new face. Sit down. Sit Stop down. It. No. Sit down for a spell. I'm putting a spell on you. Never. Stop your spells. Chit-chat small talk, Keely do. Oh, I hate it. Why does this coffee taste... Uh, does the coffee taste better, marginally? Better, worse, the same? It tastes the <laughs> same-ish, I guess. It's not great. It's not terrible. Um, mm. I do hate the cups. Oh, why do you hate the cups? I don't know. They have a weird texture. Uh, <laughs> gritty. Chalky. Yeah. They leave a residue. Uh, does the atmosphere, I mean, what, what's the atmosphere? Is it, is it Mammoth in theme, or is Mammoth just the name of the business? It's just the name of it. And I only, I think That's maybe odd. because it's on Monmouth Street. Oh, I think they were hate that. <laughs> trying to do a thing, and it, it's not a thing. <laughs> then the place should be called Mammoth on Monmouth. Yeah. It should just be called that. Yeah, mm. it should, shouldn't it? How's the price difference? More? Less? Um. The same? <laughs> I... Maybe a little bit more, but they really uh, push food. Oh, really? Uh-oh. They're trying to sell you some sandwiches and some, uh... Some do they do that may I interest you in a thing? It seems like a lot of people go there for meals and food. And it's just they're also a coffee shop. But I don't I don't know. Something doesn't feel right. Is it... it, it you, can you get a meal or is it more like Starbucks' idea of, like, snackable edibles? Like, no, I'll get a cake of some sort. It's more of a meal. Mm. But I, I... It's like... They're not... The decor... The ambiance doesn't feel like a place I would want to go for a meal. It feels like it should be a coffee shop, but they don't like, want to be a coffee shop. Yeah, you're in there for maybe 20 minutes at most, yeah. and then you're out. Fair or enough, fair enough. a couple of hours. So Brad's Yelp review for <laughs> <laughs> Mammothon Monmouth. <laughs> Two and a half to three? Look, I got a lot of things to bitch about today. It's been a bad day. <laughs> Listen, Jonathan. <laughs> I've got a list in front of me. Um, Check it twice. Heads up, guys. I'm going to be feeling much happier in a little bit when we start talking about some Baywatch Nights. Baywatch Nights. Or as I like to call it... <laughs> that's what I like to... No, I'm not doing the melody right. How, how, do they, how, do, how do the female choral creepy gypsy siren singers do it in that show? <laughs> like, it's just them doing perfumed orgasm size. It's so stupid. <laughs> But that'll be later. Yeah, it is. Jonathan, what's happening with you? What's happening? Uh, well, recently, uh, I, my uh, my dignity uh, was kind of called into question. It was a question of cynicism versus optimism, I guess. I, I was... Just put yourself in my shoes, and let's see if we can predict what Brad would have done. <laughs> uh, so I was walking down a Chicago street, and, uh, you know, there were people out and about holding clipboards. Bad sign. 
And as I'm walking, this guy kind of doesn't stop me. He doesn't get in my way, but he points to me and he goes, Hey, man, what are two things that every kid needs? Brad, what would you have said? (laughs) (laughs) Fuck Uh, and off. (laughs) Yes, that sounds good. And then you would have kicked him in the shins and started singing the Nazi theme song. (laughs) That's what it's called, right? The Nazi theme song? (laughs) Their jingle? Of course. Uh, So this guy turns out to be from Children's International or Children International. I don't know if it's plural. Uh, Are you familiar with said organization? Sure. Okay, so for those who might not be familiar, you agree to uh, adopt, you don't adopt, you sponsor a kid, you pick what country the kid is from. It's like Build-A-Bear, but with a human. Right. (laughs) And you give money, it's like an automatic charge to your card every month, and that money presumably goes toward helping to raise this child and give it... Oh, by the way, uh, the answer that I gave was spot on because he said, hey, man, what are two things that every kid needs? And I went, food and shelter. And he goes, exactly. Let me talk to you for a second. (laughs) All right, I I like like you. You're thinking right. I I like you. You're you're clearly 40% of the way there. I just need to fucking rope you in. (laughs) And uh, when I told this story uh, to a fellow gay friend of mine, he looked right at me and he went, Jonathan, was he attractive? (laughs) And I was like, what does that have to do with anything? And he goes, Jonathan, was he attractive? (laughs) And I was like, yes, but okay, clearly that has something to do with it. And so, he asks, he he tells me the whole spiel and I have reservations. I have such doubts (laughs) in the moment because he wants to take my card information there on the street. Right. And that's just a great, you know, every person who stops you on the street is going to want that. I don't care if it's Children International or Greenpeace at a certain point. You just kind of have to either bulk and run or accept the fact that there is a stranger holding your card, writing down everything about it. And then, even crazier, this guy – oh, did I say that I agreed to do it in the moment? (laughs) Because I did. (laughs) He takes my card and puts it under the form. He takes a black, like, kind of charcoal crayon and does a rubbing of it. Oh, wow. That's old-timey. Yeah, he takes a rubbing of the card, and apparently that's what you do for Greenpeace, too, because a friend of mine worked for them for maybe a week, but then he then they, then they he was fired because he couldn't get enough people to sign up. Go figure. <laughs> because a lot of people don't want to have their card yeah. turned into a charcoal Xerox rubbing. We have the like internet. A, we have smartphones. I know, and I said to him, you know, can I do this online? And he didn't answer my question. He just said, well, what's kind of stopping you from doing it here now with me? And I said, well, it's, you know, it's it's the security question. You know, I'm, I would be giving you my card. And he gave me this explanation that at the time seemed reasonable. He said that all of his forms had to be accounted for. The Children International was connected uh, with a government agency, which... Says ha! he. Says he. <laughs> the attractive man who... Who told me that he also wanted to be an actor? And I was like, uh-huh, like 40 minutes ago, I'm sure you told someone you wanted to be, like, an OGBYN or something. <laughs> I, I don't know. Because <laughs> it's so outrageous <laughs> that someone could want to be an actor. Yeah, I know. Well, <laughs> y- y- see, this is the cynical... This is the whole point of the debate. Because some people I told to... Uh, I told the story, and the next day... I, I, you know, enough people kind of looked at me askance and sort of chided me for agreeing to do this. And the next day, because of their uh, kind of skeptical doubts, I ended up calling Children International and canceling the first payment before it even went through. Mm -hmm. And I just told them, you know, just kind of remove my information. And the woman was very curt with me. She was very dry and uh, acidic. (laughs) But I really didn't care because, I don't know. 
uh, other people that I've told this story to, they're like, oh, well, why didn't you do it? And I'm like, well, uh, because honestly, people kind of made fun of me for being a naive simpleton, and that got to me, and I was worried that maybe... You never know. You never know what these organizations do with the money, how it's managed. I don't know. What do you think? I Well, honestly, I'm not aware enough of their specific details. Me neither. But, I mean, you can look that stuff up. You can double-check it. Sure, but the fact of the matter is there was that pressure in the moment. You know what I mean? Right. To You know, I, I wish I could have been able to do the research then and there, right. but my only resource was this dude talking to me. And yeah. I don't know. And I, I, the thing is, I know he's pushing because he wants to get his quota. Sure, that's exactly why. Um, but like, I, I, I don't, I could never, I could never sign up on the spot for anything like that. Right. I'd be like, look, um, can, do you have like a? Can I put you as like a reference on an online form that I can do at my leisure? Yeah, I, I think other people I know have tried to ask that same question, and I don't know if anybody does that or if that counts. The nice thing is that because I canceled the next day, at least his quota was. Sure. Still affected. Um, whether or not I cancel the next day doesn't affect the fact that he got me to sign up. So right. maybe he got to keep his job for another 48 hours. Sure. I don't know. The turnaround for that kind of position must be absolutely insane. Oh, definitely. Because I think Greenpeace tells you if you don't get maybe, I think between like 5 and 10 within your first week, you're just gone. Oy. Which is just nuts. And apparently enough people are lining up to take that position from you. So I guess no harm, no foul. But... There's people that can and will do that. Sure. I don't know how they get people to do it, though. It's a weird skill set. When I got abducted by that creepy uh, assholes trying to sell uh, basketball uh, wheelchair coupon books. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That was... The the girl that was, like, uh, showing me around, she was like... She had all this, like, crazy nonsense talk that she was Mm -hmm. telling me as we were going on. She's like, listen... There, there's, there's a rule of three. Um, two people are gonna say no, and the third one's gonna say yes. So you just count on that. Wait, she was kind of giving you a peek behind her curtain. <laughs> no, this is like the the weird corporate talk that she's been given. That there's some magical rule of three where, yeah, oh. two people are gonna turn you down, but one person's gonna say yes. So you've got to right. work for that. I forgot. I'm sorry. I completely forgot that that's that for a short time like this was potentially going to be your job. I thought for, that this story had to do with... Sure. I thought this story... I was misremembering it as, like, a girl trying to sell you these coupon books. No, no, no. Ah, okay, yes. Well, yeah, that job sounds crazy. Yeah. It was such... It was ridiculous, but just, Basketball wheelchair coupon books. <laughs> all the money goes to basketball wheelchair, except all the money that doesn't. <laughs> basketball wheelchair, Inc. It's an acronym. Don't ask me what it stands for. It's very long. <laughs> but the rule of three... There's no rule of three, girl. It's not a thing. No, for every nine people that turn you down, one might listen to you for ten minutes before leaving. But the thing is, like, she was completely sold into it, and it was just ridiculous confirmation bias. Because, of course, when we got to the fourth person and no one had bought one, she was like, well, you know, it's just a rough day, but I'm sure after lunch we're going to hit them back and we're going to make up for the people that we didn't get. Oh, boy. Well, your rule of three is nonsense. And, and I can also smell... lying to people. Yeah, and I can smell the flop sweat of desperation coming off of you at this point. Hi. The rule of three, it didn't hold up. <laughs> what do I tell these people? But it just, I mean, it's all confirmation bias. Like, she just she just believes that it works. Sure. I wonder what hurts kind of tactic. The, the Greenpeace people apparently have a really bad reputation because a lot of them are just flat-out shitheads. Mm-hmm. They'll try to, I, I know uh, people have, like, uh, been accosted by them, essentially. They'll, they'll step in front of you and be like, hey, man, like, get in your face and in your fucking grill. Mm. Uh, 
one of my friends, she came across a Greenpeace guy and he threw a tennis ball at her thinking like they would play catch and they'd have a moment and she just let it bounce. And I was like, yeah, because that's not a tactic. I don't know what tactic you should take, but here's the one you don't take. Tossing a tennis ball at someone who has somewhere to go. Ugh. Oh, man. And they all come off as just so cheery, hacky sack, college dorm room hippie. It's just so transparent. Mm -hmm. Hey, man, what's up? Oh, backpacks. That's cool. Hey, let me take a charcoal rubbing of your credit card. (laughs) (laughs) No, because then it's like Pompeii. Like, I don't want you having a permanent Xerox of my credit card. (laughs) Yeah. But Brad, what if that little Indian boy who I agreed to sponsor? That's right. (laughs) They let you pick your country and your gender. (laughs) Oh. What country do you want? Uh, India. And then another girl who was standing nearby, she goes, oh, India, wonderful. I'm like, hey, you have nothing to do with this. I'm talking to this guy. <laughs> I, don't need, I don't need two people biting on my dick about this. And then he was like, what gender? And I was like, what gen- What the fuck does it matter? That seems weird, right? That's a weird question. Uh, well, because they're so trying to get you to personify this donation right. you're making. And they claimed that after some time, you would get correspondence from your kid, and then you could write back. And I was like, well, fair enough, but that's even more of like, I need to look behind the curtain for that. I need to know that that is real. That if I get a letter translated into English from a little Indian boy, that I need to know that that is a real letter. (laughs) Well, and it may be a real letter, but it's not like, I mean, they make it seem like your money is directly going to this one person. Right. And it's, I mean... (sighs) I, I, you know, I guess it works for them, so mm-hmm. power to them, I guess, but <sighs> it's just, it's just a little too, it's a little try-hardy. It's a little try-hardy, and, you know, I, I just have kind of the, the stink of Coney 2012 over everything still, because I don't know what was happening with our country and its white people at that time, but man alive, people wanted to support that movement. Yeah, well, I mean, I still stand by. It's not, it wasn't a bad movement. It was just the fervor of the movement. The fervor of the movement, the, uh, the vague background of the people that were behind it. I don't know. I, it, the, the, the people weren't as vague as people made them out to be. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Well, fair enough. Because, I mean, again, they always, their, their main thing was um, awareness. And people are so fucking unaware of anything happening in this world. Sure. I will stand by any campaign that is largely about awareness. Because it does change things. Yeah, I... I think for the most part, it's meant to spread awareness and it's meant to spread detailed awareness. But it's clear that, as you said, the fervor in this country, at least, was, oh, that man is a bad man and he is hurting people. Here, my money now. It's Take my money now. Yeah, well, it's because I it, well, I think it's a bigger symptom of how disconnected we are as a society because sure. people didn't realize that there are terrible people like this in the world. Mm-hmm. And he's certainly not the only one. And oh. it's not like they're hidden. These are things right. you can easily find out if you make the least bit of effort. Right. But anything to sometimes I just think it's a matter of anything to make me feel better. I I need to feel better. Here here is twenty five dollars. Time for bed. Yeah. <laughs> sleepy, sleepy, sleepy. But if it works. I mean, it felt nice to think of the concept of a little Indian boy being, uh, I don't know, provided for in my name. I don't know. Yeah. It just, it, it really does. It tries to uh, appeal to your your higher consciousness, I guess. Right. And I mean, you're, good. You're helping someone. Good. That's not a bad thing. No, it's it's not. I'd see where I'm torn on this. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's just, uh, you don't want to feel like a dope 
but at the same time, like, you, you can't be too cynical about it. I know, and I'm not entirely cynical. I, I, I have given, uh, I've given to uh, the Chicago Food Bank in the past, sure. and that, I don't know, for some reason, the immediacy of, I, get, I don't know, maybe the difference for that is that the immediacy of the organization in my city, mm-hmm. I don't know, that sounds, yeah. <laughs> maybe that sounds vaguely xenophobic. Yeah. <laughs> I want to help my people. <laughs> when I said the cynicism, I was referring more to the people that were giving you askance looks about it. Than oh, your well, sure, cynicism. sure, sure. It was, it was pretty. Th- that was part of my conflict. It was really surprising to me how quickly people just called me a jackass. Uh, oh. Some people were just like, "Whoa, what the fuck? Why would you ever do that? That is such a scam." I'm like, "Did you even hear what you just heard that I gave money to something, and now you're immediately assuming that I'm an idiot?" <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, I mean, I would definitely double check it first, but sure, you can't judge. You're like, ugh, stupid Jonathan. <laughs> he might have tried to help someone. <sighs> what a dumb apple cheat greenhorn. <laughs> <laughs> you sailor, <laughs> you sailor, bow to lollipop licking dum dum. <laughs> Jonathan, stop having conversations with Mitt Romney. <laughs> What's that? Oh, that sounds great. Money, money, money. <laughs> you were trying to help the poor people. Ugh. What a a naif. What an (laughs) N-A-I-F. Oh, I don't know. Perhaps perhaps that little boy will be sponsored by someone else. I'm sure. Definitely. Maybe someone with more expendable income than I do, because that was another part of it. I was like, do I really have another chunk of change to just commit to every month? I don't know if I do. Uh, I gotta pay for my Netflix, Brad. <laughs> you do. <laughs> and is it that the ultimate statement? <laughs> I like how... Uh, I just like how easily swayed I am by any sort of reasonably... Because the guy who I talked to on the street was reasonably arguing his case. Mm. He didn't come off as a doof. It helped that he was attractive. <laughs> <laughs> a, a golden head of hair and a toothy pearly white smile. <laughs> uh, but that's that's one of the many things that has been running through my mind as of late. Another thing that is on my mind, uh, speaking of how easily people are led down certain paths or they just sort of assume certain things about certain people, uh, have you heard of this, uh, a feature film called uh, The Wolverine? Oh. The Wolverine. Oh, starring, yeah. Starring one, one Hugh... Yeah. <laughs> the subtitle is... It's The full title is The Wolverine colon another one. <laughs> so this is this is technically a sequel to X-Men Origins Wolverine. <laughs> Remember how we were going to have a series of X-Men Origins movies when we, when we didn't get them? <laughs> and so we got X-Men First Class, so it's even more confusing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but this technically is a sequel because apparently Hugh Jackman as the Wolverine is in Japan now fighting ninja mutants or something. Sure. <laughs> and uh, within the past few days, uh, you know, in relation to this recording, they came out with the first – I love how this was a news story on pop culture websites. The first exclusive image of Hugh Jackman as the Wolverine. That was the story. It was just a goddamn photo. Let's all look at it together, shall we? Can we all just stop getting stop. so excited about the first image of someone as something? <laughs> or on, on set photos of, like, a guy in a trench coat but, like, sitting in a director's chair eating yeah. an apple. Like, enough already. <laughs> Let me know when it's on Blu-ray, all right? Exactly. Uh, So this photo came out, and it is the phoniest of balonies, to quote Paul F. Tompkins. It is just the dumbest, I think, most clearly photoshopped image I've ever come across. It's Hugh Jackman slightly in profile, kind of turning away from you while looking at you, growling and snarling. And 
the shadow effects, the lighting, it really has to do with his body because his abs and his fucking muscle tonage, the veins, like the cobweb spider veins that are going through every fucking second of his arms, it just, I understand that Hugh Jackman has a fantastic body. I'm not going to call that into question. This picture is laughably fake. <laughs> I just they pulled just, this up. I know, right? Please, everybody, look it up. First image, just Google first image of Hugh Jackman, the Wolverine. So, is your reaction similar to mine? This is ridiculous looking. Yeah, it's so clearly, at the very least, photoshopped, if not entirely faked. Yeah. Well, I mean, everything's entirely photoshopped, but this is just... This doesn't look like a human. No, it doesn't look like the muscle structure of any real person. But every, you know, movie site, pop culture blog, or whatever the hell, no one at any point, at least from what I've read, offered this opinion that this looked so dumb and fake. Every single one was like, whoa, Hugh Jackman sure has gone through a transformation. Whoa, look at Hugh Jackman. He sure is ripped in this photo. And I was sitting there going, are you, are you, are you fucking kidding me? I, not a single website I came across was able to point out how dumb this looked. And so I, I said as much on Twitter, and I got a response back. Now, I very rarely get responses from strangers. Uh, usually, the only people who give me feedback on Twitter are my followers. And, That's kind uh, of how it works. That's kind of how it works, but then somehow, I guess this guy was doing a search for Hugh... Maybe maybe he was doing a search for Hugh Jackman-related tweets. Uh, so this guy says to me, uh, sorry to, uh, sorry to point out your inferiority complex, but that is his body. Take a look. And then he provided a link, and I was like, oh, no. <laughs> what is this guy gonna show? How is this guy gonna pull back the curtain and reveal to me that this is somehow a real photo? Well, here's the thing. He, he didn't even try to, because the link was just a photo of Hugh Jackman on the beach. It was just a completely non-sequitur photo of Hugh Jackman kind of de-sanding his towel. Like, I'm going to pick up my towel and flap it. I need to get the sand off my towel. Flap, flap, flap. I'm the Wolverine. I'm also in Les Miserables coming this Christmas. And I, I wrote back to him, case closed. Hashtag ZZZZ. And I was just like, that, I, I... I was baffled because it's just like, then I looked at this guy's Twitter feed, like his just overall list of updates, and this guy just goes after people being like, oh, sure you have an opinion now on a movie that you haven't even seen, or big talk coming from a little man, and I was like, this is what you spend your time doing. I mean, granted, I started it according to Playground Vernacular, but come on, buddy. (laughs) Yeah, I I mean, yes, Hugh Jackman is... Very much in shape, but he's not this terrifying monster of creepy veins. The, the veins are what really kill me. Yeah. It's just a little, it's a little too much salt on the food for me. It makes it a little undigestible. Yeah, I mean, that's not what a human looks like. Man, but but the fact that this person was so clearly like, uh-uh, no, that is Hugh Jackman. I mean, duh, that is him. And I was like, fine, fair enough, you want to fuck Hugh Jackman, whatever. Oh, boy. Uh, sorry. Now I'm only thinking of the fact that Hugh Jackman sang You're the Top with Neil Patrick Harris on the Tonys. Not this past year's ceremonies, but the year before. And the fact that they looked at each other and sang, but if baby, I'm the bottom, you're the top, still kills me to this day. I'm like, oh, you two queens. Seriously. Hugh Jackman, I know you have a wife, but come on already. Yeah. No man works out that much. This, yeah. this, oh, this towel is sandy. Flap, flap, flap. 
Anyway, that's another thing that's been on my mind. <laughs> this is our favorite news section of the show. A few things that have been on Jonathan's mind. What's been on my mind? Oh, Jonathan, take it down a notch. <laughs> Ta-da. Fireworks. Uh-oh, really? I can't hear them. Is, when does baseball stop? That's what everyone has been asking here. <laughs> it shouldn't be... I don't think baseball is fit for fall weather. I'm just like, hey, it's cold now. Stop doing baseball. Yeah. Enough baseball. I saw a Cubs fan recently who was walking down the street. He had a cataton- He had a catatonic smile on his face, and uh, he was holding up a number one index finger, as in we are number one. <laughs> he was walking with this group of friends, and the, his, his smile and finger were aimed at all the passing drivers. And his Cubs jersey was 60% covered in vomit. <laughs> oh, classy. Just brown from, like, the, the you know, the chest plate down. Oh, great. Great uh, job. Baseball! <laughs> you get to watch a great, fun game that's so fun to watch. And you get to wear vomit. I was near the Wrigleyville Stadium, and I just heard this creepy, like, monkey grinder calliope music. Like, do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do. And I was like, what? is this music oh my god a monkey is going to use its long tail to steal the gold coins from my pocket as this music is being played <laughs> oh god i don't care if i yet stop it <laughs> oh terrible terrible and people say oh you've never been to a no i've never been no no why would i want to deal with the screaming children and the racist drunk homophobic fathers no enough <laughs> I can get the crap beat out of me any day of the week in any number of fashions. Not not that way. I choose not to do it that way. Uh-huh. Ugh. I can't believe they lost again. I can. I don't even know anything about sports. Brad, you know all the sports facts. Sometimes people win, sometimes people lose. Those are the facts. Those are the facts. Sometimes people win by a wide margin. Sometimes it's a knee scraper. Oh, it doesn't matter. It's going to be boring either way. This one's got to be a knee scraper, and that's what's on Jonathan's mind. Let's review Wolverine. Baseball's dumb. And that first thing I talked about. Oh, right. My Indian boy that I'm not helping. Uh, what's his name? Let's give him a name. Timmy. There you go. I was Done. afraid something racist was about to happen. No, not this time. Absolutely not. The last six episodes I've done, I've said something that has just uh, incriminated me. But he didn't help that little... B- I was about to say that little brown boy. <laughs> But he didn't help that little brown boy. You see, he is racist. Every time he gets on the show, he does something. He doesn't think he is, but he I hear what he's doing. So, I, Jonathan, when you're on the show, we love to we love to play a little game. Mm-hmm. Well, we play many games. I don't know which game you're talking about. It's a game that um, sometimes has a name and sometimes doesn't. I think I remember the name of this one. Oh, do you? Okay, wonderful. Sometimes the movies watch you. <laughs> Right? That's the name I gave it last time? Something Sure, different. sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like to call it the Bing Translator game. Yeah, oh, God, that's boring. <laughs> yes, be, but I'm not going to forget it. It needs to be more fun and less sensical. Less catchy. <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, we, we, of course, in this game, uh, we, we take a, uh, a movie synopsis from a website. We put it through the grinding gears of the Bing Translator, and out it comes completely nonsensical. And it's the job of the opposing players, uh, it's the job of the opposing player to decide what movie is being discussed. Did I get that right? What's that movie? (laughs) (laughs) What's that movie's pretty good. (laughs) It's the game where we try to come up with a name for the game. Sometimes when you have enough coffers in your kettle pot, you go down to the flickering lightbox brigade. (laughs) 
Eh? Eh? It always ends with some sort of tevye eh? Eh? Brad, would you like to go first? Please. Please, mister. Okay, go ahead. Here's a film. Mm Mm-hmm. United States 5 Android Robot Army, though they may be the daughter of the storm by using synthetic Cold War in Quail Opera. If interested in combining the information to use, the Force Laboratory, Nova, Damon appeared to finally view for developers on electrical Jesus. <laughs> Rise of 5, the service, which can be caused by the failures to destroy the cause of the accident, Hovers and have no idea where. Okay, so once again, this is a, uh, a movie synopsis that has been horribly mangled by the Bing translator. Is this a movie, uh, my, my question, is, <coughs> is this a movie that is currently in theaters or is it yet to be released? This is a movie of the 80s. A movie that, my God, Brad, okay, um... Oh, well, now, uh, see, the last time we played this game, I, I believe one of my guesses was The Terminator, and then when I tried to guess a TV show, I, I, I chose The Sarah Connor Chronicles. Uh, and see, to me, this one also sounds like The Terminator, because we're talking about synthetic... I heard the word synthetic at one point. There are machines. You said Nova, which I don't know how that got in there, unless that's like a proper noun from the actual synopsis that in in whatever language would be the same. Nope. Really trying to, nope. <laughs> absolutely I'll not. Give you that. <clears throat> Fair enough. Um, I, I need to know what that crazy mishmash of consonants and vowels means. That I couldn't even tell you. Um, rise of Five. Rise of Five. This was a movie of the 80s. Uh, uh, man, I don't know. Uh, my best guess, my best educated college degree guess would be The Terminator. You would be incorrect. Well, god damn it. Blast it all to heck. All right, well, give me give me the English version, and uh, let me see if I can guess it as quickly as I can. <laughs> sure. Number five is one of the five anthropomorphic prototype robots purposed for Cold War use by U.S. military. Although the scientists mainly responsible for creating them are more interested in peaceful uses for their artificial intelligence, like playing musical instruments. Well, a demonstration takes place in the grounds of the developer's company, Nova Laboratories. Okay, it did get in there. Aha! See, see, see? A lightning storm forces the presentation to end early. A power surge hits number five while it is recharging and alters its program, causing a malfunction. (laughs) Okay, so it's basically the Terminator, but if the Terminator uh, didn't have legs, but a really crappy set of, like, weird non-wheels and had cute little eyeballs and loved butterflies. It's, of course, Short Circuit. Indeed. Featuring our friend Steve Gutenberg. Steve Gutenberg, of course, of course. Uh, Short Circuit, of course, getting a reboot. I don't know if you knew this. Because, if anything, we need a reboot of Short Circuit, that huge blockbuster film. Didn't we already have Wally? Yeah, we had. Wa- You're right. Wally does bear more than a bit of a resemblance to Johnny Five. Uh, heck, we got a we got a short circuit too. How much more short circuit could the world need? Surprised they didn't try to turn that into a TV show. <laughs> Uh, okay, well, damn it, short circuit. From now on, I'll just assume that the movies you're describing are not the Terminator. <laughs> <laughs> Please do. Now, from now on, my educated guess will be that it is not the Terminator, and then I will work from there. Uh, Brad, I have three here. I want to save the third for uh, the last because it is, in my opinion, the best translation I've uh, stumbled upon. Uh, so you get to choose between uh, number one and number two of my three options. Uh, go ahead and pick. I will pick number two. Number two. Well, of the two options, I'm sure that is a delightful choice. I wish you all the luck in the world. 
<clears throat> I like to read these as as if I'm doing a cold reading at an audition, so I put a lot of emotion into it. I don't know if past listeners will recognize this, but I, I just want people to know I, I, I rehearse these, okay? So I, I put work into this. <clears throat> Are you ready? Sure. Okay. So far, the action thriller APL inventors back in black-only market is wrong. People want to get rid of About Parnianzu Lessing, W-I-T set, a total of 30 years ago. Had to wait to dive the goal? Here, the atmosphere is always a rich life for me. The cars tie about new trends in hearing set. Ooh. <laughs> And to let you know, this is a movie that is coming out very soon. If not this weekend, then I assume the weekend next. All right, all right. So Um, let's parse out a few clues. Action thriller is in there. I don't want to lead you by the hand. Okay, Uh, I heard 30 years. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. So that's a thing. (laughs) So that's definitely, uh, you know, words. (laughs) What's coming out? (laughs) Ooh. Black only market? Yeah. <laughs> Probably helps you in no way. Um. And remember, people want to get rid of about par nianzu lessing. <laughs> you know, I'm gonna take a. This is probably wrong. It's not the Terminator. <laughs> so I'm going to guess Paranormal Activity Four. That is a fair guess, but it is an incorrect guess. Uh, the would you like me to read to you the English translation? Please. Okay. Uh, I'll cut out the title because the synopsis includes the title. In this futuristic action thriller... Yeah, there you go. Judge Dredd. (laughs) No. (laughs) And technically that movie is called Dredd. Oh, that's right. And Dredd is not about time travel. (laughs) They Ah. do not time travel. Uh, In the futuristic action thriller, time travel will be invented, but it will be illegal and only available on the black market. When the mob wants to get rid of someone, they will send their target 30 years into the past, where a looper, a hired gun like Joe, is waiting to mop up. Joe is getting rich and life is good until the day the mob decides to close the loop, sending back Joe's future self, Bruce Willis, for assassination. Of course, the word was, the title was in the description... Looper. Looper. Damn it. Starring Joseph Gordon-Levitt. I think I just forgot about that movie because I just want to pretend that's not a thing. Why? I think it looks good. I, I, the concept sounds good, but I, I, Bruce Willis does not inspire confidence. Normally, he does not for me either. I, I think it's really fascinating how they made Joseph Gordon-Levitt look like a young Bruce Willis. And it's he kind looks, of creepy. It's really creepy and bizarre. Because it's just close enough that I'm like, oh, I see what they're doing. (laughs) My creepy crawlies. (laughs) Well, we are zero for zero on either end. Neither of us is winning this game, Brad. Oh, no. All right. Give me me your next one. Give me your next one. All right. All right. We're going back to the 80s. God damn it. I always do movies that are either in theaters or coming out soon. Yeah. You make it more difficult. (laughs) What can I say? (laughs) Apparently nothing. (laughs) True, nothing. I'm sorry, it's been a hard day. (laughs) Oh, come on now. (laughs) Did these last minute. (laughs) My precious TV. (laughs) All right, all right, here we go. Expert architect, cartoonist, and actress, Happy Day. His his apartment as a single life in New York. They all rooms have different women. Employment and justice. Little enjoyment of life. (laughs) Arrival of his sons interrupted. Before you date them, marry children... (laughs) During the operation, the game time. Children, let it break action. Where's the turkey shoot film? (laughs) They are keeping to the left child to develop what is not. (laughs) 
So many instances of the word child. My God. I know. <clears throat> I, th- I felt that it was almost poetic. I kind of like that one. So what I'm going to parse... break action. Where is the turkey shoot film? They are keeping to the left child to develop what is not. A ramjack mini dramatic reading. <laughs> uh, so what, what I can parse from this, uh, this pitch is that, was it a humorist and cartoonist? Expert, architect, cartoonist, and actress, Happy Day. <laughs> okay, so okay, so I imagine it's about a, a a cad who has many women in his life, but his son kind of shows up and walks the boat of that sexy playboy lifestyle, and the son is like, "Come on, Dad, marry this girl." And oh boy, do complications ensue. This sounds like a shitty movie. <laughs> uh, when, to be honest, when you first started describing the uh, the architect, cartoonist, or whatever the hell. I started thinking it was Xanadu, uh, and I know that in hindsight, none of the rest of it m- made that make sense. But uh, oh no, you gotta stop giving me these. Uh, there might be a theme. There might be a theme. Well, definitely children. <laughs> if the word child was said one more time, I think I would have had a panic attack. Between that and the in the uh, the first uh, film I mentioned. Oh, a theme between the first. Okay, so a theme between Short Circuit and the movie we're talking about. Steve Gutenberg. Okay, so Steve Gutenberg is the theme, right? Am I right on the right path? <laughs> I, I cannot say. I cannot tell a lie. <laughs> I chopped down this little cherry tree. Uh, is it three men and a baby? It is. Ta-da! C- congratulations to me. Buy me some peanuts and Gutenberg. <laughs> hey, that monkey stole my gold coin. Oh, boy. Okay, well, at least I got that right. Um, yeah, the, the, all three men are very playboyish. They love having sex with ladies. Mm-hmm. One of them is an architect. One of them is a cartoon. Yeah, because is Gutenberg the one that, like, paints the apartment and makes it all colorful and zany and 80s? I think so. Okay, that's a mistake. Uh, I keep hearing that they're going to do a third movie in that series, too. That's always yeah. a rumor. Uh, Three Men and a Bride, I think, is the rumored title for that. I would be down with I that. Mean, what a terrible idea. Oh. No. We we disagree on this. <laughs> we both said no at the exact same time. <laughs> you can sync up the audio when you put this episode together because we said no at the exact same time. We did. From different perspectives. No, Brad, we do not need a Three Men and a Bride. <laughs> yes, Jonathan, we do need a Three Men and a Bride. <laughs> What's it going to hurt? Oh, it'll definitely hurt nothing. <laughs> it'll make no money because none of the stars are bankable in any way. Gutenberg, who is it? Gutenberg, Selick, and... Di- what the fuck is Selick doing? Selick might as well be dead. <laughs> I, for all I know, he is dead. And until someone comes to me with a death certificate, I will say nothing else to the contrary. <clears throat> okay, well, uh, putting that aside, the fact that they're rebooting Short Circuit and considering another sequel to Three Men and a Baby... <laughs> Uh, Brad, I have one more uh, here before my uh, my 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 delicious final synopses. Uh, so uh, this one uh, goes a little something like this: turns away to face the brick wall, turns back to the audience. <laughs> <clears throat> the characteristics of the World Festival, ETE, famous vampires that you do not want to scare the infamous Frankenstein hurt his mother. He saw. The Wolf family and other V, Mavis fan celebrates with her daughter and the competition is not a problem. But the two monsters, 118, although people often create shame, Mavis fan world. Ooh. All right. Um, well, there's like a couple. I, I'm assuming it's one of these animated children's movies. 
that aren't happening. They're all oh, the who same. can say? Billions of listeners around the world are screaming into their headphones right now because they know the answer. <laughs> yeah, um, there's like three of them that all look the same. But well, describe the ones that you've seen or heard of recently. I, well, I'm just, I, I think I'm going to have to go Frankenweenie because I don't know the titles of the other ones. Frankenweenie is a very, very good guess. I was really hoping that you would like use your... <laughs> vague sketches of these films to try to describe them. Oh, you know, there's the one where he learns a lesson. <laughs> no, I just see uh, animated thing with spooky creatures and kids. Uh, well, unfortunately, you are still zero for zero. It is not Tim Burton's Frankenweenie, which I am not going to see. Uh, but I'll tell you what movie I'm also not going to see. Uh, this one. Uh, it goes a little something like this. Uh... Welcome to Dracula's Adam Sandler Lavish yeah. Five Steak Resort. Get it? Lavish Five Steak Resort, where monsters and their families can live it up, free to be the monsters they are without humans to bother them. On one special weekend, Dracula has invited some of the world's most famous monsters Frankenstein and his bride, the mummy, the invisible man, a family of werewolves, and more to celebrate his daughter Mavis's 118th birthday. For Dracula, catering to all these legendary monsters is no problem, but his world could come crashing down. Wait, I know it, I know it, I know it, I know it. What is it? Faulty Towers Knights. No. Ah. Ah. Faulty Towers Knights. No. Uh, I really thought you knew it, too, and I I, I don't like that you tricked me. (laughs) No, I'm sorry, this is a movie that stars Adam Sandler, uh, Andy Samberg, Kevin James, and Fran Drescher as the Bride of Frankenstein. And you're a fan of those classic Universal monsters, so I would not advise you seeing this. No. It is called Hotel Transylvania. Oh, that's even a shitty title. Because apparently they couldn't afford Monster Mash. (laughs) Because it's essentially Monster Mash. Ugh. It was a graveyard not heard of. Well, you know, look it up. (laughs) Do a double bill of Frankenweenie and Hotel Transylvania. And and Paranorman, and that's the other one. Paranorman is supposed to be really good of those three. That actually received very good reviews. I'll say that. I have not seen it. But you're not a fan of animation. (laughs) I am not. I eh. (laughs) But you also don't see uh, special effects, so you just see those movies as live action. Visuals mean nothing to me. That's just what it comes down to. You're literally watching Hotel Transylvania going, wow, where'd they get a wolf? (laughs) We're thinking of money. That's pretty crazy. Brad, it's a cartoon. I don't know what cartoons are. I'm CGI blind. <laughs> Paranorman sure is a cra- this The budget for this must have been insane. <laughs> Zombies coming out of the ground and all such things. So you don't have any more, do you? I do not. Uh, well, uh, it's, it looks like you're going to have to at least try to tie yourself with me, my friend. All right. My he last said chance his, of redemption. He said in his smarmy game show voice that he put away forever. <laughs> well, my friend, it looks like you've got something to fight for. Uh, so this is this really turned out very well, if I must say. Okay. <clears throat> the Goose was one of the best in baseball in a long time. But even the skin last year. But we will do it according to the records of the department. Has refused to withdraw his bat to say, Hey, if you choose not to have the hard drive in the hard drive... Atlanta Snow Dragon Special Round Yig, a member of the project, but the people who tell the problem, the Goose Girl, Mickey, Atlanta's Best, Phone Hours, and then the Disc, the fact that he said that, regardless of whether the intelligence to help defend victims of army life, conscience. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, I don't know what's better. The Goose was one of the best in baseball in a long time. <laughs> or... <laughs> The Goose Girl, Mickey, Atlanta's Best, Phone Hours, and then The Disc. That's the cast of your film. Awesome. Um, 
I'm going to take a chance, because I hear baseball somewhere in that mix. No whammies, no whammies, no whammies. Um, I'm going to look at my chair, and I'm going to ask my chair if the answer is pitch perfect. Pitch perfect? Where are you getting that from? Is that... Oh, you were so close. Is it pitch... the... Isn't that the name of it? Oh, crap. Pi- what is it? I think Pitch hold- Perfect might be a Jessica Biel, Freddie Prince Jr. vehicle. Fuck. Wait, it's hold on, hold baseball. on, hold on, hold on. I know this. It's the fucking... It's... I mean, you can oh, have Oh, no, no, no. It's, 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 uh, it's, not, it's not Pitch. It's it's something... It's... Oh, it's another curve. It's curve. It's the... Tur- uh, turn of the curve. Turn, turn of the of, screw. Turn of the curve. Um, Clint Eastwood's turning a curve because he's old and he's dying and he's crazy. <laughs> and he has been dying for the past 20 years. You got curve right. I'll give you that. Uh, so you get like 145th of a point on that. The The film is called Trouble with the Curve. Great title. Great title. Okay, now I, gotta, I, have to, I have to go and look up what Pitch Perfect is. Okay, I, my guess is that Pitch Perfect is a Freddie Prince Jr. Jessica Biel picture. Why are there so many things with baseball things in it? Well, I think there's also Fever Pitch, which is a Jimmy Fallon, Drew Barrymore picture. Oh, this is this is something super different. This is oh. like singing and shit. <laughs> singing and shit. Oh, is it Anna Kendrick? Yes. What? Trouble with the Curve or Pitch Perfect? Pitch Perfect. Oh, I don't know. Now look up no, Fever Pitch. No, it is. Pitch. I'm, I'm looking at it now. It's the Andrew Kendrick. Okay, well, do me a favor. Look up Fever Pitch and confirm if that's the Drew Barrymore Jimmy Fallon movie. And then figure out what movie Jessica Biel and Freddie Prince Jr. are in together. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give you a lot of assignments right now. <laughs> Fever Pitch is Drew Barrymore. Ah! And Jimmy Fallon, yes. Yes. Ah! God, could there be two worst people in a movie? Now I need to know what the Freddie Prince... Because he plays a baseball player of some sort. Because that's realistic. Freddie Freddie Prince. Prince. All right, what do we got? No, not... No, Junior, you dumbass. Why would I want Senior? Ever. Oh, you want to look up the filmography of me, Freddie Prince? (laughs) No. Oh, so you're looking for my son. Jonathan, why is Freddie Prince sounding like Puss in Boots when you do that? Is it because you're racist? (laughs) Oh, Freddie Prince Jr.'s IMDb photo is terrifying. (laughs) It's probably a little too up to date. Oh, he's wearing the hat to cover his lack of hair. Oh, no. Poor FPJR. Just look for a movie title that has a baseball pun in it. I'm pretty sure it's another baseball pun. Summer Catch. Summer Catch. There we go. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to have a baseball trilogy evening... Start out with Fever Pitch, then follow that up with Summer Catch, then follow that up with Turn of the Screw Shoe Baseball. Um, Summer Catch's uh, tagline is, are you game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no one was at the time. I don't I don't no. recall anyone being game at the time. No. I don't Jessica think that's Beale a film anyone tracks down. Well, that's because she's a terrifying woman. <laughs> she's, she's not exactly, she was in a horror film recently called The Tall Man. Did you ever see any commercials for that? I did not. It was all about how her town had a mythological legend called the Tall Man. <laughs> and he kidnapped children, and then he kidnaps her child. The Tall Man! Hey, Baywatch Night Singers, you get out of here. But we're on commission. Get out! Well, that was another rousing edition of what what I like to call Sometimes the movies watch you when you do not know the movies are watching you And then you wind up in jail and your wife never knows that she dies without having solace Eh? Eh? And then you always have to throw in that zero mosto Eh? At the end Ramjack's suffering will be legendary Even in hell So guys, it's that special time of the week when we visit our pals, Dr. David Hasselhoff and Angie Harmon, on Baywatch Nights. 
wait to see that episode. <laughs> David, that dog was very small. <laughs> but it barked at me. But the windows rolled up. And you're very big. You are a very big, big man. Tall and side to side. Leave me alone, A.G. Harmon, you fucking dead-eyed bitch. <laughs> oh. oh, boy. Uh, so we, we watched two episodes for the purpose of this uh, uh, show. Uh, and uh, I, if I am not mistaken, I will be reviewing, uh, summarizing, I should say, the episode called The Rig. Indeed. Uh, season two, episode three, The Rig. And I'll have one minute to get this done. Did you watch any of the, the other episodes, or is this your first adventure with oh, Baywatch Nights? this was very much my first dip. I have listened to uh, your discussion with Claire, and so I, I, I very much understand where this show apparently <laughs> thinks it's coming from. <laughs> I, I feel like I got a little gypped. I, I don't think these episodes were nearly as nutty as the Viking Adventure or the video game Excapade. I, I don't know. I think the second we're going to be talking about is definitely up there. That, yeah, that the second of the pair is definitely the nuttier. Um, I, I just I need to go. What's the name of the video game episode? Knights uh, to Dragon One. Knights <laughs> to Dragon One. <laughs> Rawr. Ah, bark bark. Ah. CD ROMs. <laughs> you don't understand. My father is trapped inside the CD ROM. <laughs> he has all of the JPEGs after him. What? <laughs> <laughs> the gigahertz and the ones and the zeros. All right, that's enough of you. <laughs> Indeed. All right, All right I have a stopwatch, and it's okay. ready. All right, uh, count me down, sir. I'll, I'll be summarizing the rig. The rig in five, four, three, two, one, go. Okay, so a homoerotic poker game on an oil rig is interrupted when one of the oil rig workers is attacked by a mysterious green glowing creature. Angie and David Hasselhoff decide to investigate this mysterious attack that has some parallels with an attack from about 25 years ago. They go to the rig. It's abandoned. They walk around for some time. They see a boat off in the horizon. It's Claire, a bikini-clad woman whose boyfriend was eaten by a mysterious green monster. Or was she? Or was he? I'm David Hasselhoff, and I'm a skeptic. They go back to the oil rig. The monster attacks. It's a big green booger monster. Meanwhile, two other lifeguards are trying to find Angie and David. Where are they? They should have come back from their investigation. Oh, there they are. Oh, David Hasselhoff has made the rig explode. Everyone is safe. The monster is dead apparently with some sort of amoeba whatever claire doesn't even get eaten which is bullshit because she is a loud bitch and everyone <laughs> goes home but hey what about that picnic the end <laughs> 58 seconds ha ha it's good nice to work. have a clock next to me as i do that i think i did a very good job good for you me did. okay so my first real you know sitting down watching dipping into baywatch nights <laughs> Um, so I have a lot of notes here. Um, uh, where, Brad, you, you start. Uh, where, where do you think we should begin with this? Maybe from the beginning? <laughs> Let's begin at the beginning. A very good place to start. <laughs> I, so we're on this oil rig with these guys playing cards, and they hear a sound, and it's like, oh, it's your turn to check it. Well, first of all, hold on. <laughs> Pull the reins back on that stallion, Brad. <laughs> we can't even begin to talk about that until we talk about how terrible their acting is. <laughs> There's a lot of, like, laughing, but it's like they don't know how to improvise, or it's like they were told, don't improvise too much because then we'd have to pay you more. <laughs> so they're like, ha ha ha, oh no, the cards were gay. Like, it all just comes off as they are just so, they're just so gay. Like, ooh, this oil rig sure is dry and boring. <laughs> Enough with these card games. I, well, compared to Teague, I, I just can't call anyone on the show a bad actor. 
That is true. Teague is not in the rig at all, but he is in the other episode we'll be talking about, The Cabin, and oh boy, no award will he be winning today. <laughs> or ever. You'll die of failure. Uh, so yeah, uh, one of the workers is told, hey, it's it's your turn to go check that clogged valve. <laughs> We're gay. So apparently, when something goes wrong on an oil rig, what you do is you stick your hand down a pipe... Well, yeah, because the pipe was clogged. He is pulling out viscous material. Maybe this is a thing. I don't think you blindly stick your hand down a pipe on an oil rig. (laughs) Especially when it is so clear that green light is coming up from the bottom of the pipe. Well, you know, sometimes you just get a green light caught in your pipe on your oil rig, and you just gotta grab it. Charlie, did you drop one of your novelty Halloween light bulbs (laughs) down here? I'm gonna grab it. Oh, no! It kind of burns a little bit. It burns. Something is tugging at me, and I'm screaming. It takes a while for my friendly fuck buddies to come. (laughs) Uh, So they they pull him out, but then at that point, his arm just starts to melt off entirely. We're talking talking the blood boils away, the muscle tissue, and the bone. Right, right. Because that's how it works. Sure. Um, so, because later they say that he melted, but the yeah. monster is feeding. It, it eats people. So, what would be the purpose of basically covering its arm in mucus and then melting the flesh away to nothing? Well, I, I think because I think the monster is the mucus. Sure. So well, it's it's breaking him down, and then I think it just reforms and oh, it, it absorbs his nutrients. Let's say, right? Yeah, Th- that's yeah. about that's actually more thought than the writers ever put into this creature. <laughs> uh, so when when uh, David Hasselhoff and uh, and Angie Harmon, when Angie brings this uh, this case uh, this incident to Hasselhoff, he immediately denounces the very logical explanation that it was mass hysteria. Um, I'm sorry, we're gonna have to back up yet again. Oh, pull the reins back on that stallion. <laughs> because, of course, it's Spooky Beach afternoon. And Angie Harmon's got to go find David Hasselhoff as he's lifeguarding, because that's his actual job. Oh, yeah, as we are reminded here. And he's decided to paint his lifeguard station. Yeah, he's not doing a great job. He keeps kind of fucking that up. And I understand that this show is basically supposed to be moonlighting with spooky ghosts and shit. And, you know, you get some sort of will-they-won't-they banter in our two leads, but they are horrible to each other in that moment at the lifeguard tower. Like, she says something like, why are you painting the tower? And he goes, because I'm painting it. Or something to that effect. Like, basically saying, back the fuck off, Angie. Jesus. Can't I fucking paint without you yelling at me? (laughs) Well, I mean, really, Dr. David Hasselhoff wears many hats. (laughs) <laughs> this is true. Sometimes he's a lifeguard. Sometimes he's a detective. Sometimes he's uh, a musician. Sometimes he's a professional shrugger. Um, <laughs> sometimes he takes down the Berlin Wall. Who knows? Sometimes he just paints. Uh, so yeah, she she brings this case to him. And did Teague inform her of this? Because Teague is technically like the Charlie to their angels, right? Yeah. He sends them on cases. No one really knows who Teague works for. It's all very mysterious. And thinly sketched. <laughs> um, but it seems like Angie, in this instance, is more curious on her own accord. Like, Absolutely. hey, look at this weird thing that happened. We should go check it out. And, and uh, Hasselhoff's Hasselhoff, not ha- He's not going no. for it at all. That's what I was about to say. He was like, no. But then Angie goes, picnic lunch. And he goes, food? Hell yeah. <laughs> Let's go, you fucking cold-ass bitch. <laughs> you, you chilly shrew. <laughs> <laughs> 
So she packs this picnic lunch, which I never flat out see. Do we ever actually see that fucking picnic lunch? No. She's no. tricking him. She didn't fucking pack shit. Listen, when you're dealing with Dr. David Hasselhoff, you've got to work on his level. <laughs> and that's pretty much Yogi Bear level. Food? Boobies? <laughs> Food and boobies? Sure. I still don't um, know what the fuck you're talking about, but... <laughs> speaking of which... Uh, there's that scene when they're on the boat riding to the oil rig. Don't even do this for me. Don't do this to me. No, I can't. I was really hoping that you hadn't noticed it at all, and I could really point this out to you. His his salty, windswept nip is the most disgusting thing that television cameras have ever caught. And it's center screen. It's right, yeah, it's right there. It's kind of gray. It's oh. it's just he, we're looking at his saggy man tit. He's not in shape. Let's just say that. No, he's not in shape. So the man sh- he's wearing like a tank top and an open collared shirt or something, right? I think he puts on the open collared shirt after the boat scene, oh. which is why we don't have to see his nipple anymore. But there's a, there's another shot beyond them approaching the oil rig where I'm like, God, that fucking nipple again! Enough oh. already! Like seriously, we, it's just a shot of them on the boat. They're not doing anything. They're not talking. Just. Do the shot again, but don't get his <laughs> fucking hairy sea eye looking right at me, <laughs> judging me, accusing me, knowing all of my faults. <laughs> I don't like it at all. That was my very next note, by the way. It's uh, my note is H nipple just out, and it's obscene. <laughs> I refer to Hasloth as H in my notes. So they get to the rig, and there's this huge plot point about how the rig is dry. The oil went dry after the attack, and Hasselhoff is like, oh, well, isn't that a coincidence? But that never goes anywhere. The idea that both this oil rig and the oil rig from the attack like 25 years ago both went dry after the attack, you'd think that maybe they're trying to set up it's a conspiracy. Like someone wanted these oil rigs to fail somehow. I I did not think about that. Oh, well, they, they, they I don't know, they hit the information about the oil oil rig going dry at least two or three times, but it never goes anywhere. I mean, clearly, you don't even remember them talking about it. No, I I just assumed that the monster ate the oil. (laughs) I'll eat anything, including oil. I'm a giant booger monster. (laughs) Okay, well, that's that's a fair enough. I mean, for this show, it's a fair enough explanation. Right, you know... You just gotta go with it sometimes. Uh, man. So I think right before the credits, the opening credits, uh, Angie Harmon, they come across the pipe where the oil man was attacked. I don't know how they know where this happened uh, because no one is helping them. They walk around that oil rig for so long. Yeah. Nothing's happening. No one's there to talk to them. It's just so stupid. So uh, Hasselhoff puts his arm in the pipe and uh, wacky prankster jokester that he is, <laughs> that cad, he pretends that he is being attacked. Uh, cause he's an asshole. <laughs> Dr. David Hasselhoff, your sense of humor is inappropriate. <laughs> it's inappropriate. It's, it's just not appropriate. And you're I, a shithead. Like, well, people have gone missing on this oil ring. Yeah, well, they say, what did they say? One guy had his arm melted and one guy just went missing or something? I don't know. Uh, yeah, well, I thought, um, I, I thought all the rest of the crew went missing. Oh, I think they said just one of them went missing and then the others were just, like, chalked up to mass hysteria. Ah. Which, fair enough. You'd think that if they really wanted to do an investigation, they'd track down those two surviving fellows. But, whatever. Uh, this is Baywatch Nights. What nights. more can we expect? And by nights, again, we do mean spooky beach afternoon. 
I, I thought it was the dead of fucking day. I thought it was noon. But they kept saying, oh, night's coming. I'm like, night? What are you talking about? It's goddamn blazing outside. It's no, they weren't even anywhere near sunset. Um, so David takes his arm out of the pipe after his little prank on Angie Harmon. And he has the kind of burning, sticky, viscous stuff on his arm. And right before the opening credits, <laughs> Angie Harmon goes, it's a residue of some kind. Dramatic sound cue. Fade to black, roll credits. That's a terrible line, first of all. Angie Harmon, I've never seen an actress try less in this episode of television. She is doing nothing. Oh, I love her in this episode. Really? I think more than any other episode, I love her in this one. I don't get her dead-eyed, monotone, husky delivery. It's Oh, I love her. It just comes off as bored. Does she do that in Rosalian Isles? Have you actually um, watched that TV show? I have watched an episode and have the rest on the DVR. Mm-hmm. By the rest, you mean all of the rest? I mean, well, the current season. Oh, boy. Well, good luck to you on that. Uh, uh, we'll probably be there forever. She's she's no Helen Mirren. Uh, she's no Vanessa Redgrave. I love her. So she says, it's a residue of some kind. <laughs> and then we cut to black. You can't blame her for the dialogue. Oh, no, I'm sorry. My very next note is her best quote-unquote line in the episode where she goes, we're fools to think we've identified every life form. ha. <laughs> She, I mean, I'm not, I'm not being hyperbolic. She really, we're fools to think we've identified every life form. Are you okay, Angie? Are you sad? Did your mom die? Are you on quaaludes? What's going on? Let's fucking pick up the pace. Hasselhoff is making a choice. She is just, she is walking from point A to point B. Oh. She wants that fucking check. Uh, so, as I said, they, they walk around for a long period of time. Then they come across that abandoned boat. And my favorite part of the scary haunted boat is the fact that in a haunted house, a door would creak open and closed, but here it's a microwave door. <laughs> exactly. The microwave door is just going, I would have been like, God, close that thing. It's annoying me. <laughs> That's really stupid. But the food's still there, untouched. What's happened? Well, Hasselhoff kind of leans into the microwave and goes, Hello? This show, what I what I can't do, what I can't accept about this show is that it has half of one foot in the tongue and cheek department, and yes. then the rest of it it seems to be kind of wanting to be an X Files type moonlighting slash show. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And but in 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 this episode in the cabin, there's enough self awareness to where I'm like, okay, so you know this show is stupid, but you seem to be almost snide about it and almost angry over the fact that you're not in a better show. And for all I know, David made the choice to talk into that microwave. (laughs) I think so. Hello? Because the thing is, I I always feel like David Hasselhoff is just owning this fucking show. He is the executive producer. This is his show. It's his baby. And I feel like, and you can always tell that any action, it's going to be David Hasselhoff doing it. Angie Harmon is always on the sidelines. Yeah, she's kind of an exposition info dump monster, and he gets to make all of the snide responses. It's because Dr. David Hasselhoff just wants to be the cool guy, so he gets to be the skeptic that doesn't believe anything. Oh my god. But he still gets to go on all the adventures. They establish him as a skeptic, so what the fuck is the point of him going on any of these mysteries? (laughs) I mean, let's review. Well, you've been watching these out of order, correct? Yes. Okay, so let's just understand that he's a skeptic, but at a certain point he comes up against a Viking, he goes inside the world of a video game, he fights a booger (laughs) monster in this episode. I mean, why are you a skeptic at that point in your life? But the best thing is, he never gives a damn. 
No, he don't give it's, a fuck. It's it's not like he's trying to protect the world from these things. He just wants to get through it and then shrug his shoulders and not give a fuck. And, and not that's even what I love. Because all he wants is that picnic lunch. He keeps yeah. saying to Angie Harmon, so, picnic now? Picnic? Food? David like, hungry. Listen, there's a monster that's killing shit. Well, Angie Harmon, I'm sorry, as she says in the cabin, I'm a scientist and I believe in the paranormal. And it's like, okay, I'm glad we've established that. You're an idiot, but fair enough. Well, she, but also, she's she's not a scientist. She's a cop from New York that moved back to California. Exactly. But I'm a scientist who believes in the paranormal. Shut up, Angie. She's a cop and a scientist and a paranormal <laughs> believer. What are they doing? Holy shit. Um, so on the rig, well, before they get on the boat, she already is making some crazy leaps in logic about what this monster could be. Because she goes, well, let's start with the most simple of life forms, amoebas. And then David Hasselhoff goes, protozoas? And she's like, yes, exactly. And then from that point on, they just assume that it is an amoeba. They rule out the rest of the animal kingdom, basically. It is Mm -hmm. nothing else but a protozoa slash amoeba. Right. Because she's like, David, David, it has a nucleus. David, David, it could be hurt by fire. Really? It could be hurt by fire? Because it's carbon-based? Okay, well, fair enough. One plus one equals four, apparently. Uh, so I'm sorry, let's... So, let's go... So they're on the boat. They're on the boat. They meet Claire. Claire the crazy bitch. Yeah, Claire, who's a very a buxom blonde in a bikini. Her boyfriend, was it Jeffrey or Jeff? He was uh, presumably eaten by the booger monster. Uh, or are they called in Germany, the booger monster. <laughs> <laughs> Great joke, John. Right it down. Good job. Uh, good job, you tussling you the hair, you scamp. You, you won that one. You did it! Um, Claire is annoying. <laughs> She's insanely, hilariously over the top. I mean, talk about mass hysteria. Uh, so they meet her, she tells the story about the boyfriend, and they decide the best course of action, considering both that boat that she is on and their little boat that they took out to the rig are somehow <laughs> dead. They're both just mysteriously dead. They take uh, a lifeboat back to the rig, and what do they do when they get back to the rig? <laughs> they leave the paddles in the lifeboat that is sitting amongst, amidst the churning, frothing waves. I hope you don't lose those paddles, guys. You idiots. <laughs> anyway, that's a small note. Meanwhile, can we talk about the, um, who are these two side characters? The other lifeguards. So we've got well, the blonde I'm... lifeguard and the dude lifeguard, who's pretty attractive. I have watched now eight or nine episodes of this show. Right. I have seen them in only one other episode. Aren't they always in the credits, though? They are in the opening credits. Oh, boy. Well, I just assume they have to be in every other episode. Well, the, the female lifeguard, I can't remember her character's name. I assume it's maybe a holdover from Baywatch. Yeah, yeah, they both are. guys as well? Okay, fair enough. The guy is pretty terrible, but she is really bad. I don't know what she's trying to do. She's so awful in that hilarious Baywatch fashion. Yeah, well, they really pad out the episode by giving her this idiotic moment where she saves a guy who's not really drowning. He was just kind of tired. And uh, she goes up to the attractive male lifeguard and she's like, I want to tell Mitch I saved my first person. (laughs) I just saved my first person. I have to tell Mitch Buchanan. She keeps saying his full name. Yeah, it's great. As if she calls his dick Mitch Buchanan. (laughs) I have to tell Mitch Buchanan. But my favorite moment in this little playlet that they do for their LA (laughs) showcase of acting rising stars is uh, she she goes, It's just so exciting. And then he says, Yes, are you excited? And she goes, Yeah, I am. 
Oh, it's so wonderful. Oh my god. Well, it's There's a lot of scenes on Baywatch Nights where it seems like they were just improvising at the end of the scene and assuming that it would either be faded out or cut. Right. And it never is. And that's 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 just one of the, the pieces of charm that comes with uh, an episode of Baywatch Nights. Mm-hmm. Uh, like that weird, awkward conversation with Dr. David Hasselhoff was trying to rape Angie Harmon. Oh, uh, not seeing that moment. <laughs> that's in the, uh, the uh, parallel future... Oh, right, with the eggs and the... Oh, boy. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. This show... I Okay, I'll just say right now, I think this show could have been so much better if they had just flat out decided, okay, well, we'll make it like a moonlighting kind of... Like, they'll get into scrapes, uh, you know, struggles, as I like to call them, but it'll be, like, very clearly more of a scrappy comedic show where they're battling, you know, supernatural elements, but this show can't really decide what tone it wants to take. I don't know. I think they. I think at heart they do kind of want it to be taken seriously a little bit, right? Sure. I, I like again. I haven't watched any of the first season when it wasn't a paranormal show. Oh boy, talk about that's a crazy decision to make. <laughs> what are we gonna do this season? The exact opposite of what we've apparently been doing. <laughs> um. Okay. So they they get back. So they're at the rig. Uh, meanwhile, oh, oh, sorry, sorry. I want to oh, jump back for a second. Pull the reins back on that stallion. <laughs> I love when they're on the boat with Claire, and they're like, look, we've got to get off this boat. We can't! And she's like, she is freaking out. I mean, I will give her a little bit of the benefit of the doubt in the fact that she has watched her boyfriend be eaten by a monster. A booger monster. Indeed. And I guess that could freak you out, and she's afraid of the water. And they're like, come on, just get in the boat. They're very harsh with her. It's, yeah, it's it's very brutal. And then they're like, well, the boat's not working. Let's get in the paddle boat. No! <laughs> Come on, just get in there. My Vigio games! My Vigio! Uh, Dr. David Hasselhoff is not known for his heart. No, well, Cla- uh, Angie Harmon is the real bitch. But after a while, it becomes understandable because Claire never shuts up. And this this is my favorite thing in the episode. I love her freaking out and Angie Harmon just, like, rolling her eyes at her. Right, constantly. <laughs> It's good stuff. Because you can almost see them in high school, and, you know, uh, Angie Harmon was the girl that, like, got picked on, and now she's just like, God, these fucking women, to get it together. <laughs> I'm so much cooler and independent, and my line readings are fantastic. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there's, there's a line where they... Okay, so the monster does show up at a certain point, and they start trying to figure out how to deal with it, and Hasselhoff says... Can this thing survive out of the water? And Angie Armand goes, theoretically, the environment doesn't matter. <laughs> what do you mean, theoretically, the environment doesn't matter? Just the leaps that this woman takes. It's carbon-based. You can hurt it with fire. And Again, you can't blame her for the script. I can't, but I can blame her for the line deliveries. <laughs> I don't think there's a way to say that line in a reasonable fashion. Nonsense. You yourself what have the- said that actors can make any dialogue work. <laughs> no, I have not. Oh. Well, I've, I've said the exact opposite. Oh, oh, okay, never mind. <laughs> Comment rescinded. <laughs> Taken back. I, 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 I know I will give actors the benefit of the doubt almost every time. I, uh... <laughs> I don't know. There's just something about... Okay, I'll just talk about Angie Harmon's character then, because I I just couldn't get over how she was just like, oh, I know exactly what this thing is. I'm a scientist, but I've never actually seen it head on. Fair enough. I Uh, love... um, There's some line when they're they're back on the reg, mm -hmm. because that's the safe place to be. Sure. Where other people have died. Yeah. Um, And 
they're they're yelling back and forth, and she's asking uh, Dr. David Hasselhoff, "Is it you know? Is it an amoeba? Is it this?" And he's like, "I don't know." And then she asks Claire, "Is it something?" And she's like, "I, well, I don't know what that means." <laughs> Describe it. It's big. Amorphous. Yes. What does that mean? Shapeless. It's also got some sort of electrical energy about it. Some brightness. Some sort of glow about it. That's right. That's exactly what it is. Can this thing survive out of the water? Theoretically, the environment doesn't matter. <laughs> Well, there's another moment where she goes, not that it matters, but I understand why the boats weren't working earlier, because there was an EMP burst, and that affected everything, and David Hasselhoff goes, you're right, it doesn't matter! I know, she doesn't even say EMP, but it blows my- what is this monster that can shoot EMPs? Oh, I thought she did say EMP. She doesn't, I- but it, that's clearly, that's what she's saying, oh but she doesn't God. use the words. But why does the electricity on the boat work, except the motors? Right. Well, and clearly the electricity on the rig works because how else would you activate a self-destruct system? You would need electricity for that, right? Yeah. The automation, the creepy computer voice that talks to David Hasselhoff. First of all, an oil rig would not have that as a feature. Exactly. That's that's what I was about to go into. Oh, boy. The idea of a self-destruct sequence on an oil rig is hilarious. The fact that Hasselhoff, he has to go to three specific points, enter a, a, a fucking numerical code so that it all syncs up before the countdown starts. But at one point, he's running around, and he's like, okay, next one. And he reads the map wrong, and he just winds up at one that he's already been to. I love this show. That's a pretty genius moment, actually. I love that Dr. David Hasselhoff got lost on an oil rig with a map. Well, I'd get lost, too. Did you see that fucking map? It didn't make any sense. Right. He grabs this map that's essentially just lines. It's just colored lines. It's so crowded and nonsensical, and he goes, okay, one, two, three. And I was like, what the fuck do you mean? One? What are you pointing at, one, two, three? So good. And the computer voice is such a bitch. It's like, are you sure that's what you mean to do, Dr. David Hasselhoff? Self-destruct in 30... And it's one of those things where time is so relative. Because yes. 20 seconds goes by, but technically only five seconds have gone by. Yeah, I, you know what got me excited? There's a moment um, when they're when they're locked in the kitchen and they uh-huh. realize they're they can fight it with fire. Oh boy! And they they MacGyver their way into a solution, which of course one thing requires David Hasselhoff. I thought he was just gonna fight it with a with a lead pipe again. Well, which sure. Made me so excited. Back back you booger monster! But no, he rigs up a system with a pipe um to create a flamethrower of sorts. Yeah, and Claire can't even be bothered to, when cued, start the gas. She's like, oh, God! And does Angie Harmon end up pulling it? She's like, God yes. damn it, I'll fucking do it, you stupid bitch. That's another wonderful moment of Angie Harmon rolling her eyes. Yep. It's like, just light the damn thing, stupid bitch. Uh, oh, so, meanwhile, our uh, intrepid side character lifeguards, whose names <laughs> I do not remember, they get so Donna, worried. Yeah. Donna and who? Um, I don't know. The guy, his name, the actor's name is um, Eddie Sebrian. Okay, we'll call him Eddie then. <laughs> so Donna and Eddie, they're not even really concerned about Angie Harmon. They just keep talking about where's Mitch. It's like, well, you know Mitch went out there with Angie Harmon. Why aren't you worried about her? So they're on their way. They see the oil rig in the distance after going through, like, a fog bank. And there's, like, a crazy green thunderstorm hanging above it. Like it's a Frankenstein castle. I, But I think we're doing a disservice in, only, in not mentioning how many cu- times we cut away to them trying to call Angie Harmon's cell phone. Oh, <laughs> to them man. finally getting on a boat. To them saying, huh, you know, they should be back by now. It's starting to get late. In this scene, can Eddie have his shirt off for no reason? Let's just have him have his shirt off. (laughs) So, it's it's magic. It's it's magic. It's magic! It's magic! Um, 
So the self-destruct system is activated, but for some reason, uh, David gets the ladies off the rig and tells them to swim as fast as they can. Great plan. But so why does David Hasselhoff stay on the rig? I think the because he I think he tells them to go off and he's still got to hit one more uh, self-destruct button and then he gets trapped. No, I think you're making that up. I, no, because they, they definitely separate. He, yeah, but he willingly separates himself. He's already activated all three because the countdown started. And I thought I was like, okay, he clearly has something that he wants to do. But all that happened was he got cornered by the booger monster. Then he jumped and the rig blew up. Mm-hmm. That seems to me all that happened. So I was like, were they just trying to add some like last minute system? <laughs> I think they really wanted it to go up to the last second. Right. Because technically Hasselhoff could have just jumped in after the ladies and he would have been fucking fine. But they wanted him to do a bit of bad parkour, apparently. Where, like, he does this in both this episode and the cabin. His stuntman grabs something from above and he, like, throws himself up onto a higher platform. In both this and the cabin. It's just such a such a dumb thing for him to do. I do, I do want to jump back um, yet again, just on one more thing. Uh-huh. When uh, Hasselhoff does finally catch up to Angie Harmon and Claire... Of course, Angie Harmon is gets scared and almost hits him with a lead pipe. There's our lead pipe for the episode. That is true. Lead pipe done and done. Maybe that was maybe that was a genuine in joke for the crew of that show. I it's it's amazing. Like, how can we get this fucking pipe into the script? We I mean, it'll it'll happen. Just let it happen organically, guys. <laughs> it'll come up. It'll come up. Uh, so looking at it again, I think that maybe the reason he's staying on there until the last second is so that the monster doesn't go chasing after them because he, he the, oh. he's trying to be bait for the monster okay. because their hope is to actually blow up and kill the monster. Yes. So it doesn't go true. about killing more people in other oil rigs or boats yes. or whatever it does. Well, as we've been told, <laughs> and clearly this monster eats... Uh, you know, non-organic material because, well, at one point it makes the little inflatable light bulb, ex- light bulb explode. Right. Like, well, I think that was like an EMP. Fucking, like, oh yeah, that was definitely an EMP <laughs> charge. Jesus Christ. Um, so I just kept thinking, oh, and then Angie Harmon says, well, it can eat whatever it can eat. It'll become as big as the, you know, whatever it fucking feasts upon. I'm like, well, then why doesn't it just try to eat the oil rig? I mean, it's clearly eating oil as you theorized, Brad. <laughs> I don't know. But your theory that David was trying to distract the monster long enough, that that makes sense for me. Uh, you gotta save those ladies, Brad. You got to. Um, so, the rig blows up in a pretty shitty explosion. <laughs> and, bizarrely enough, when we then cut to Donna and Eddie on the boat, bright fucking daylight. This scene is apparently taking place hours after David they- jumped. They've been out looking for him forever. For nine hours. And Andrew Harbin is still going, Mitch! Mitch! Oh, God, Mitch. And then David pops up over the side of the boat, and he has a sassy one-liner. What does he say? <laughs> Anybody get the number of that truck or something? So it's, it's not much better than that, I'm sure. Or uh, uh, maybe it's, uh, is someone going to give me a ride? Something. I, I think that might just be it. Uh, How about that picnic basket? Eh? Eh, I'm a bear with a green bow tie. <laughs> uh, and, and Claire kind of hugs him, and I thought there was going to be this moment where Angie Harmon maybe, maybe, got, maybe got jealous. But they don't bother to do that. <laughs> uh, and Donna and Eddie go, well, what happened, Mitch? What happened? And he goes, huh, wrong day to have a picnic. Come on, let's go the fuck home. Take me the fuck home. Get me the fuck out of here. Um, hey, how about you check and make sure that killer monster isn't still on the loose? Yeah, and why is their boat working? What about the EMP? <laughs> Wouldn't the EMP ruin their boat as well? I, I don't know. It's magic! It's magic! <laughs> I just love that, like, they never care about the thing they were running from. 
It's all about getting away. It's not about stopping it. Well, they had they had a the most minimal amount of interest in this case to begin with. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, meanwhile, uh, sorry, an early moment when they're on the rig and they haven't met Claire yet. Hasselhoff just starts waxing philosophic about who Teague is, and it's oh. like he's like, I imagine Teague's bosses be this. Big, fat, bald, white guy sitting in front of a wall of computers. A wall of computers? As a, opposed- wall, wall of computers. a wall of monitors and a pencil on his desk and no, nothing no, no. else. He says computers. Oh, does he? Oh, okay. yeah. That's why it doesn't make any fucking sense. <laughs> a wall of computers and just a pencil on his desk. I like That's the thing that I don't understand. David takes a moment in the next episode to imagine what a thing is. And it's like, D- David, stop writing these little bits for yourself when you <laughs> get to imagine things. And Angie Harmon just kind of smiles nonchalantly like, oh, Mitch. Uh, what about that? Uh, what about that Emmy clip for uh, Claire, where she gets to be like, oh, "Why did I get on that boat with him? I could have been with a thousand other guys just like him." Oh, that porcelain smile and that Porsche. Oh, I'm so stupid, stupid. Oh, this and is the, the best award show ever. Goes to Claire. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Uh, oh, uh, my my last note is uh, make fun of the breathy female singer over the end credits. Uh, also, uh, the the sexy sax solo, which also might be clarinet, but okay, 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 okay. <laughs> These end credits, where we fucking see, where we not only, I was like, what a crazy little sax solo. <clears throat> then they show you the soloist. Mm-hmm. His name is Alfonso Blackwell, according to the credits, courtesy of Street Life Records. It's yep. pretty amazing, but so it says sax soloist, but he's not playing a sax. No, I think it's um, I think it's like a, a tenor sax, or not a, it's not a tenor sax. I wouldn't know. It looked like a clarinet to me. Yeah, it's a, it's a saxophone. Oh boy, and that kind of goes like it gets, it stops being scary, and then at one point it just starts becoming like everything's okay. <laughs> you can um, you can hear the entire song on YouTube. Uh, the entire sax solo? <laughs> yes, the entire Baywatch Nights theme. Oh, boy. The, I think the five-minute... Oh, no. <laughs> you can buy all of his albums on iTunes. I looked him up. <laughs> I believe it's called The Night Will Never Be the Same. Yes. God, yeah, Theme to are. Baywatch Nights. Anyway, The Rig. <laughs> the Rig! So, uh, I think it's time for another episode. Woo! Nights. Ah, bark, bark! Ah! <laughs> And uh, I will be summarizing the episode, The Cabin. Yes, you will. Of course, as always, you will have one minute to summarize this episode. Brad, are you ready? Ah, sure. The nights will never be the same. (laughs) In three, two, one, go. All right, the episode starts off, and there's an Asian woman that's running away from, like, a redneck. (laughs) Doesn't make any sense at all. We cut to the office, and Hasselhoff has received an ornamental axe from some scouts or something. He's really excited about hanging it in the office. <laughs> <laughs> he hits himself on the head with an axe. Teague comes over because they're going to go with, uh, adventure at a ghost house. So then we go to the ghost house. Teague has said, don't go in there before I get there. But they go in. All hell breaks loose. It's like a labyrinth. Hasselhoff gets lost in a room, which is kind of in the past. And there's a redneck and there's a whorehouse. And antics happen. He's trapped. He can't get out. Angie Harmon gets pulled in. She gets lost in it. Teague's like, what the fuck? I told you to wait. Um, they have to go rescue her by holding hands. Uh, the redneck chases after them. Oh, wait, it's all a dream because Dr. David Hasselhoff got hit in the head with an axe. Fair enough. 57 seconds. Congratulations. <laughs>
Now, see when you're see when you're working with me, you, you get a, you get in under a, under a tight minute. Uh, you and Alex have been doing this uh, one fifteen nonsense. Yeah, there's, you got to start shooting for that one minute. Well, there's no pressure with Alex because his goal, I think, is five minutes. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> How's that poster going? I wonder. <laughs> you, you terrible man! It's only ninety something days late. We only promised that poster in nineteen ninety seven. It'll be coming at some point. So let's talk about uh, the cabin. That cold open, well, for a, let, let's be clear. A cold open for Baywatch Nights is about nine minutes long. Uh, so let's just get that straight. Um, Why can't they put the yeah. opening credits after the cold open? Well, you know, uh, I've been watching uh, the show Terriers. Are you familiar with that show? I've heard of it, but haven't watched it. Uh, it's very good. It only lasted a season. But what's so funny is that I, I noticed a correlation there because Terriers has about nine minutes before the the little theme song plays. Keep in mind, the theme for Terriers is 30 seconds. Baywatch Nights is about six minutes. That opening theme music is so long. <laughs> but it's so good. Oh, it's great. Don't get me wrong. But it seems about as long as a full episode. Yeah. And and Baywatch Nights doesn't know when to put that in at a good moment. It clearly should happen after that Asian woman is being chased by the obese hillbilly. Yeah. It's, it's very strange because I feel like – I really feel like this was something I didn't start noticing until like early 2000s with theme music coming late into a show. Right. Yeah, I think we're more used to that with uh, sit. I think that's like a sitcom convention that we're trying to apply to other types of shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, you expect like you know two minutes of wacky jokes and then the theme. Right. But this this particular opening doesn't make any sense in hindsight because who is this woman that's being chased? Exactly. I assume she is the impetus for Teague wanting to investigate the house at all, which is never going to happen now. Yeah, well, they never... Here's the thing. In just these two episodes, they never have any interest in interviewing the people who have actually encountered the paranormal forces. Right. So that woman will never hear about her in the next, you know, 40 to 45 minutes. Well, you know, um, in, the, in their defense, um, they're not the X-Files. It's a lifeguard and a former cop. <laughs> don't you dare. <laughs> like, why are... I still, I still don't understand... And maybe I'll understand when I watch the first season, or the first episode of the second season. No, what you're doing with that is you're patting the show on the head and sliding a, pe- a plate with a piece of pizza towards it. Like, <laughs> no, no, oh, no. you poor guy. Here, have some pizza. <laughs> I just... I don't know why they're investigating these things. I honestly don't know why. So have you never seen the first episode of this season? No. Okay, well then, I think you definitely need to track that down, because I'm sure there's a lot of exposition Oh, I'm sure, I'm sure, but I'm saving it for a rainy day. Saving it for a rainy, blustery day. <laughs> because it um, just makes no sense. So we, we get this uh, kind of, th- this convention that'll come back, because the girl is running through the house, but at a certain point, she's seen falling down an endless flight of stairs, and then she just somehow teleports outside of the cabin. Mm-hmm. She turns around and she sees that her, you know, bloated pig man stalker is chasing after her saying, The land must be purified! But he vanishes into thin air. With a weird, awful, terrible CGI effect. Uh, yeah, something from, like, uh, like a bad PlayStation video game that you would buy, like, 1993. Yeah. Um, so the, then, of course, as you explained in your summary, we cut to, uh, the, the office, the, 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 the Central Perk hangout coffee <laughs> uh, set of the show, I'm sure. And what's so great about the moment where, you got this completely wrong, by the way, the reason I giggled, he did not get the axe from a Boy Scouts or whatever you said, he he got the he got the axe. It, it's an old fire axe from like the 1800s. He got it from the fire department because he saved somebody from like a burning car. Oh, 
Did, like, did yeah, he save a Boy Scout? I, I really thought I heard Scout in there somewhere. No, I think he just saved a, a citizen, and the fire department was like, what a cool guy. Here, here's a really old fucking axe. Maybe, maybe, and, the, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm just trying to work out what I thought I heard, and it may be wrong entirely. Maybe the Boy Scouts enough. presented it to him at the event? No, I don't think so. Uh, I think it was presented by the fire department. <laughs> well, I think maybe it was a fire department event, and the scouts were there and said, here you go, because he's a hero to the town, because he's Mitch Buchanan. Brad, to be fair, you did say you were going to watch this again, so I'm sure you'll uh, yeah, be able to I'll, I'll double back. check this. We'll find out. Okay. Maybe I'll play a clip right now. <laughs> but we'll never, <laughs> we have no ability to say if it's right or not. Yes, we do. Not just a fire axe, one of the great fire axes of all time. Look at this, it's, uh... It's from the 1890s. Given to me by the boys... Scouts? ...the station for pulling that kid out of the burning car on PCH. Oh, that's cool. Yes, neat. A little inscription there? Yeah, you got your little plaque and everything. Yeah. Let's see, um... Where is an honorable place? My famous fire axe. I can't believe I was wrong. Ha-ha, I was right. (laughs) Choose your own adventure. Oh boy, the listener knows. The listener knows that I'm in the right. Probably. <laughs> um, in that long moment day. where <laughs> I'm a broken fellow. <laughs> so in that moment when David Hasselhoff is saying, "Hey, isn't this neat? Look at my axe. <laughs> isn't this neat, Angie Harmon?" The way the shot was set up, I I swear to you, I thought he was gonna shove that axe into her head. <laughs> I thought he was gonna be like, "Isn't this axe neat?" Yeah. <laughs> I just split her skull open. What I learned about that moment is her gen, her the maybe the most genuine thing she's ever said. She really did seem very interested in the axe. Whereas I thought she would be, I don't want a fucking shitty axe hanging in my office. Yeah, and he's like, where should we put my axe? He keeps saying, my new axe. He's, he's just so fucking proud of himself. It's an axe. Because his nipple sensed that someone was caught in a car somewhere. Oh, God, his creepy Olympus eye just seeing everything that he cannot. This way, David. Thank you, nipple. Um, Can can we also say the axe looks super fake? Well, okay, what's more fake? The axe itself as a prop or the horrible physical pratfall of it bumping him in the head? Jesus fucking Hasselhoff, get it together. Figure out how to make that work because it doesn't work in the shot you used. Yeah, at all. Actually, I'm looking at it right now. It's more like he drops the axe and hits his head on the couch. I don't. I, it's like bad community theater, which, uh, I, okay, I did write this down. Every time I watch the opening credits of Baywatch Nights, I just remember that David Hasselhoff was in a production of Jekyll and Hyde. Oh, yes. The musical. I need to know! Like, and it's just the. Track that down, people yeah. who are fans of David Hasselhoff. If you like Goat Vibrato, um. Goat Vibrato, and again, a man who can't seem to decide if he's taking his work seriously. <laughs> I. Ah. Uh, And at the end, when he comes out to bow for the ninth time, he goes, I've come a long way from the beach in the talking car. Uh, Oh, Dr. David Hasselhoff. So anyway, (laughs) Teague shows up and he's like, hey, want to go to a haunted house? And David is like, no, fuck off. No, this is one of the great lines in the episode. Teague asks him, do you believe in ghosts? No, but they scare me. That was pretty great. Because he's rubbing his head like like a child, (laughs) like a petulant child who didn't get the TMNT fucking ravioli that he wanted. Yeah. My head hurts. I don't believe in ghosts, but they sure do scare me. <laughs> um, so, so in, in the, in the first, <laughs> I, in the first episode I was talking, I wrote a note that said, is David Hasselhoff just an asshole? And then in this, I just wrote, is Angie a scientist or an idiot? <laughs> 
Because on their car ride to the haunted house that Teague sends them to, I swear, she is fucking defining what a ghost is. Yes. Okay, Mr. Skeptic. The dictionary definition of a ghost. It's the soul of a dead person, a disembodied spirit imagined as wandering often. Oh, wait, listen to this. One of the earliest recorded hauntings was caused by the ghost of a traitorous Spartan named Pausanias, who was starved to death in Athena in 500 B.C. His ghost was finally exercised by a necromancer. Sounds dirty. What is it? <laughs> Very funny. And a necromancer is a person who invokes the dead. But you know what? I mean, once we get past this desperate, dangerous connotation of ghosts, they really just don't sound that scary to me. How is it that it's episode six and we've never had an episode about a ghost yet? <laughs> That's ridiculous. She's like, oh, oh, listen to this. Listen to this, Mitch. A ghost is a spectral figure that walks our plane of existence because of some unfit. Shut up. Everyone knows what a ghost is. <laughs> and then she's talking about Spartan ghosts. Yeah. Like it's, the ghosts of Perseus's soldiers or something. like shit. the first, first reported ghost <laughs> was in 456 oh BC. Um, uh, no. If you're going to believe in ghosts, you've got to believe in a lot of things. But the fact that there wasn't ghosts around until then, that's... It, it's like the same thing as in the video game episode when they're talking about how the the Knights Templar invented uh, Dungeons and Dragons. Oh my god. They just make up the craziest fucking facts for this show. Well, and it's padding, too, because it's just all of that dialogue is not in the car. That would have made more sense. No, this is just, like, footage of the car driving along, puttering along. Of, of course, they brought groceries. Yes. Because, God forbid, these people not have snackable edibles on their fucking... This is not their cabin. Yet Angie's like, oh, I'll put the groceries in the fridge. Bitch, this ain't your house. <laughs> You don't fucking own this property. It's just the idea that, that the whole plan was Teague wants them to go investigate a haunted house. Basically, they're just going to spend a weekend in a cabin with Teague. With Teague? They're just going to play Monopoly. Yeah. That's the plan. I mean, how to describe Teague? He kind of has this dumb goat stare. Yes. Where he doesn't seem to understand why he has been hired to act on this show, what the lines mean, where he'll be going at the end of the day. He probably doesn't have a place to stay. Yeah, there's an amazing clip on YouTube, that it's all of the Teague scenes from the uh, uh, from the Parallel Universe <laughs> episode put together. Oh, no. And it's amazing. I've got it on the Facebook group. It is brilliant. Because he's so fucking awful. Yeah, the, the less time... It's a, it's a good idea for him not to be in the rig episode. They should have found more ways for him to be the mysterious Charlie figure to their angels. I mean, that would have been better. Um, so... <laughs> Immediately, so as you said in your summary, they're not supposed to go into the cabin until Teague shows up, but he's late. Right. So what is the impetus for them going in? They're just children and they don't want to wait? Uh, well, I think because, and here's a weird thing, because Angie Harmon's the one that believes in ghosts, David Hasselhoff's not, but for some reason Hasselhoff doesn't want to go into the cabin, and Angie Harmon's right. like teasing him, like, oh, come on, I believe in ghosts, but I don't see what's so scary about it. The show, the show is radically inconsistent as to who believes what and who trusts who. First of all, these two should trust each other. And it's really bizarre to me, like, how they kind of do seem to get along faintly, at least when they're talking about food. <laughs> like, picnic. Oh, I see you brought your health chips. Don't worry, I'll put your carrot sticks in the fridge. But here's the thing. Sometimes Hasselhoff is a skeptic, except when he's not. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes Angie Harmon is a skeptic, except when she's not. But here's the thing. They never believe each other, ever. Right. If something weird happens to the other person, the other person goes, fuck you, that didn't happen. 
You're a fucking idiot. Ghosts, booger monsters, dare burger master. Like, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> you're, you're a fucking bitch. Well, you're an asshole. Give me my fucking health chips, you asshole. <laughs> Give me my lead pipe, bitch. Oh, that lead pipe's coming up. I don't think it's a pipe so much as it is uh, some sort of banister from the bed. Oh, no, there's two occasions and one of them is a pipe. Fair enough. The pipe, it's getting its union card through this fucking show. Um, (laughs) uh, So David goes into the house and is almost immediately sucked into the Twin Peaks underbelly of this cabin. Yeah. Uh, And make no mistakes. And make no mistake. After a certain point, it was clear to me that they were doing some sort of Twin Peaks homage. Oh, there's so... This is... There's so much David Lynch in this episode. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Diet caffeine free, David Lynch. Oh, definitely, fair. definitely. But I, like, I will say, like some of the 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 visual things that they try are. <laughs> I mean, I gotta give them credit. It's like it's not done well, but nope. the fact that they tried, I think, says a lot. Well, they do a lot of shaky Dutch angles. Mm-hmm. They do a lot of like disorienting whoa pans up to the fucking faces of our heroes. So, at least they try to move the camera around a little bit. Beyond that, I don't know if I can give them much. I give, well, I give them credit for idea. The, the ideas... Oh, what's, what's, it's not execution. Like, as terrible as the dialogue is in the script, somehow, like, the, the ideas of the scenes are really interesting. Right. Um, my favorite... One of my favorite moments, visually, uh, speaking of which, is when David is uh, first confronted by the fat, obese, hillbilly, redneck uh, pig fucker. And... <laughs> So, okay, so apparently the rule of comedy in the world of Baywatch Nights is not rule of three, but rule of five. <laughs> yes. Because David Hasselhoff keeps running into this Dolly Parton-esque woman in a bathtub mm-hmm. situation. She's taking a bubble bath. And every time she goes, take off all your clothes and get into this bathtub or else he will kill you. <laughs> and Hasselhoff is like, didn't I see you before? And it was funny the third time, but the fifth time didn't really work for me. Yeah. Uh, but the visual thing I thought was hilarious was when the <laughs> the obese the obese man takes out his very fake knife yes. and he, he says something like, I must purify the land. And that effect of when he throws the knife and you see the knife go and then go into the wall is amazing. Oh, and it catches it catches Mitch's shirt and he's like, ow, my arm. I'm like, you idiot. It just fucking skimmed your shirt enough already. Oh, it's just so wonderful. This is kind of like a time paradox thing where... Yeah, they, they seem to be caught in a loop. Well, at one point, Angie Harmon gets caught, and yeah, so, yeah, I, I agree with what you Again, saying. yeah, we're, again, uh, with the knife throwing, we're ten minutes in, and this is where the theme song rolls up, so just to give you guys where we are. Bark, bark! Ah! So basically, he's it's kind of like a labyrinth. He's walked into this door that doesn't isn't there anymore, and he's lost. And he keeps running into the the bathroom with the girl in the bathtub. And then mm-hmm. the giant redneck guy is gonna purify. At one point, he comes across a couple of really badly makeuped corpses mm-hmm. with like the barest minimum of tomato ketchup stained blood on them. Yes. And he's like, ah, a murder took place here. And it's like, or they're just sleepy while they were eating food. (laughs) They spilled their wings on their shirts. Their long, old-fashioned Western pajamas. Uh, Can Um, I also say, um, after um, Hasselhoff's shirt gets caught by the knife, instead instead of, like, pulling the knife out of the wall and removing his shirt, he just slowly pulls, rips his shirt. It's probably easier. (laughs) It's like, Oh, and he, if he had pulled the knife out, he could have used it as a weapon. But keep in mind, it was a ghost knife. <laughs> it probably would have evaporated in his own hand. Meanwhile, Angie Harmon's still putting away groceries. 
Yeah, well, she can hear Hasselhoff this entire time, and at first I thought that was just a stupid error in logic, but no, it turns out that wherever he is in the labyrinth underground maze, she can just hear him. So after a while, I was like, fine, I accept that. He's caught in some sort of, as you said, paradox. And, uh, well, so, what was I going to say? Oh, well, he's trying to describe his environment to Angie Harmon, and he keeps saying, there are a lot of hallways and a lot of doors, and they're all interconnected. Funny thing how doors interconnect with hallways. You fuck. he acts like that's the strangest thing that he could say. Weird, I open a door, and it opens up onto a hallway. Um... At one point, okay, so at one point, this is where it gets really Twin Peaksy. She enters this Paradox universe, and she comes across a very recognizable character actor, Little Person. Yes. Who I recognize first and foremost, first and foremost from his multi-episode arc in Seinfeld. Yes. Uh, I didn't look, I meant to look up his name beforehand, but uh, he's just, he always had a beard. He's just very recognizable. And the fact that there is a little person in this, clearest reference to Twin Peaks ever. Definitely, definitely. And uh, he yells at Angie Harmon. He says things like, get naked and get over here. I have gold dust. Ah, I'm smoking a cigar. <laughs> I love he pulls out his little bag of gold. <laughs> yeah, gold dust, he says. Gold dust. And she's like, oh, you. And she throws a cowboy hat at him. And it results in the weirdest special effect because he goes, Ah, 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 and the light flashes three times, and then he's gone. Right, so what you get from this is that that they're ghosts, and if you choose not to believe in them, maybe they vanish. I, that's Or if you toss an object at them. <laughs> a hat. I was like, oh, a cowboy hat. Well, just keep that hat with you and keep throwing it at all the ghosts. It's, it's like the rules of this don't make much sense. No, it doesn't. Uh, it, it starts to make even less sense when uh, Mitch Hasselhoff uh, winds up on the beach after walking through one of the doors. Yeah, and this is where it gets super Twin Peaksy. Oh yeah, um, because he he goes and he's on the beach, and I love he's yelling back to Angie Harmon. He's like, "I'm on the beach now. There's a beach here." And she doesn't she say something like, "That's not possible." And it's like, "Fuck you, Angie Harmon. Anything is possible at this point." <laughs> You got... Oh, I hate these people, how they deny each other. Oh, I love He's them. on the beach, bitch. I love it. And and all of a sudden, he goes up to his, his, his lifeguard tower. Well, wait, wait, wait. He thinks he sees Angie Harmon on the beach, but it's really uh, uh, the girl from The Exorcist. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and she's like, ah, tricked ya. And he's like, ooh, creepy. And then he goes up to the lifeguard tower, which is very well painted. Yes. Um, and he's and like, he knocks on the door. And he says to me, like... It's it's me. I'm Mitch Buchanan. And then from from the other side, you hear, "No, you're not." <laughs> and the door opens, and of course, it's evil Mitch Buchanan. Yes, we have Black Lodge Mitch Buchanan. <laughs> yep. Uh, well, I compared it to Jekyll and Hyde. I was like, "Oh, this is the perfect example of him wanting to be Jekyll and Hyde." <laughs> And they fight for a little bit. I wanted evil David Hasselhoff to do more. Yeah, because really, he kind of gets tossed away pretty quickly. I, I really, I wanted this. I wanted this to go full Twin Peaks, and I wanted evil right. David Hasselhoff to take over. Oh, I was about to say, like, yeah. What if David, evil David Hasselhoff, like knocked out the good Mitch, and then he was like, uh, Angie Harmon, it's me, Mitch, Mitch, let's go. I'll, oh yeah, I'm gonna have sex with you. <laughs> And she's like, no, this isn't the Mitch Buchanan. Well, it is a little bit, but... 
Oh, I just wanted more of him is all I'm saying. Yep. Oh, by the way, Danny Woodburn is the name of the cigar man that got a hat thrown at him. C- cigar man. Ow, that hat hurts me. Um, so, uh, let's see. What, what else do we got here? The, after a while, it just gets so... There's nothing really going on. It's just a lot of running around. Yeah, it's it, it was it's very hard to follow because it's just random antics. Yeah, it's it's pretty loopy. Um, Teague at one point does show well, up. Um, let's let's go back to when uh, Mitch figures out how to get out. Uh, okay, yeah. How does he figure that out? Because it's kind of silly. Um, so he grabs a lead pipe, bursts a hole through the door. Yep, it explodes. <laughs> it explodes because that's what happens from the sheer force of him. Right, and and so then he can look out and he can see Angie Harmon, but there's clearly like a giant space in between them. Right. And Angie Harmon, of course, because she knows all the science facts, is like, <laughs> maybe we're in a different time. What does your watch say? Um. Oh, man. Now, listen, I know this is Baywatch Nights, and I know that oh. this is a ridiculous episode. Wait, now you're going to balk? Now you're going to balk. Well, but no, but even... If throwing everything else aside, why would David Hasselhoff's watch be at a different time? I don't know. <laughs> if, if he looked to the next, if he looked across the room and she said, "Look at a clock," and it was a different time, that would make sense. His watch should be the same as hers, right? Well, technically, the real thing that shows off that the, he is in a different time is the fact that everyone else is in Western garb. Yeah. Like, what if he had picked up a newspaper and it said something like 1897 or whatever the fuck year it's supposed to be? Like, that would have been more of a shock to the system than, oh, you're a few hours behind me or something. Right. Well, but I don't know. That doesn't matter to me, considering the way that they explain how this can all be fixed is if they simply touch. Right. Because then someone can be used as a conduit, as Teague later describes it. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't work because Hasselhoff is brought back to our time, but then Angie gets sucked into the paradox. Well, what happens... That doesn't make any sense because Angie was already technically in the paradox. Well, no, because for a time. what happens is when they grab, finally grab hands, um, then they both are falling down um, some stairs, which looks quite dangerous, actually. Well, the stairs we saw from the opening with the Asian actors. Right. Um, and what, and they somehow they, they lose grasp of each other. Hasselhoff ends up back in our time, and Angie Harmon, because she's let go, ends up sucked. Oh. Yeah, Teague does say constant contact is important, but right. you try holding on to someone while falling down nine flights of stairs. Exactly. Teague, you fucking Frankenstein man. <laughs> <laughs> With your dead goat stare. Um, so yeah, so Angie Harmon is left behind. Teague yells at Mitch for a long time, like, God damn it, you went into the fucking house, you children. Ugh. <laughs> Um, and then Teague is basically saying, I don't know if we can fix this. We might be fucked here. And Mitch is like, no, I have to make it work. Uh, but I love, this is the one point I had to give Teague. He's like, well, don't just run in the house. Let's come up with a plan first. No, but then, no, he says, well, let's come up with a plan. Mitch goes, do you have any ideas? And Teague goes, no. And it's like, okay, great. So the only option you have is to wing it because no one has any ideas. Um, but maybe stop and though, think up a plan first instead of just running head first. But, but if your boss can't even be bothered, like T is just like, I don't know. Huh. Then what else do you have to go with? Uh, meanwhile, we get two. I don't understand why we had to hear the backstory of the <laughs> obese serial killer, but both Teague and the serial killer himself explain, well, no, Dolly Parton explains it, too. Yeah. There's just so much repetition of the exposition, well, and none of it matters. Because Angie Harmon is trying to avoid being killed by talking him down 
and, and it's a therapy session. It's a, yeah, it's a therapy session. She's the little girl trying to talk to Frankenstein. Right. But basically, before he kills her with his plastic knife. So basically, um, if I'm to get the story right, um, redneck guy's wife was a whore. He found out about it, and then she told him all about being a whore. <laughs> Uh, well, from what I remember, she became a whore, and he understood because they needed money. But once the money was acquired, she decided that she liked it, and she kept doing it, and that drove him insane. No, no, no. What drove him insane was she told him all about it. That was my favorite part. Is like He says something like, and she would tell me about it every time. Oh, yeah. Well, which yeah, is, that would drive someone crazy, which, I'm sure. I, I like to imagine that she was just casually like, oh, yeah, I was blowing this guy today. Craziest thing. Does that drive you crazy? And he's like, stop and telling me saying, this. No, no, no. It's really funny. It's really funny. Turns out it was your brother. <laughs> Eek. No. Well, he keeps saying the land has to be purified. So there is some sort of weird fundamentalist right. leaning to this guy. Uh, but I do like when he leans next to, he leans onto the wooden vanity and he really does start having like a rap session with her. <laughs> and uh, so needless to say, long story short, Teague advises them all to hold hands and they get Angie out of there. Which they don't do. Wait, what do you mean? Oh yeah, they don't. They don't no, Teague doesn't maintain contact. Hasloff basically just goes in again. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, so, yeah, I don't, I don't... Like, I feel like they should have done a poltergeist where they're, like, all, like, you know, tied together with a rope or something. Yeah, that could have worked. But, of course, to touch across this wide chasm that you mentioned, they just have to keep reaching. Right. And couldn't they just... Like, oh, you're so far away, but now you're here. And this this is the time they take out the, um, the piece of the bed and break through, because they have to break through the door again and explode it again. Um, why couldn't they just, like... Why couldn't he just grab onto one end of the bedpost? Why does it have to be a physical touch? <laughs> Search me. Like, I mean, Search me, officer. <laughs> you know, if it didn't work, that's fine. But wouldn't you try that, at least? Right. Uh, well, so, Angie's, you know, everyone is safe and sound. But then, that wasn't enough for the writers of this show. Because I guess they thought, even this is a little too crazy for us. Even this makes a little too... <laughs> This just does, even for our standards, this episode makes no sense whatsoever. <laughs> so what do we do? Eh, we'll just write it off and say it was all a dream. I, and it's not even that it was a dream from the moment he hit his head. Because T says that it was after he left, Angie called him back in. Because Hasloff passed out. So that means that whole opening where Teague came in, they asked about the ghost thing, Teague left the room, and then Hasloff, who's had a concussion and didn't realize it, then passes out. Yeah, then passes out. (laughs) And has this crazy, ridiculous dream. Again, what's with the Asian girl in the beginning of the episode? Well, and again, what's with the Kaiser Sose usual suspects bullshit where he goes, wait a minute, there are cigars in the room. Hey, Angie Harmon, is that your bubble bath? (laughs) And she goes, yeah, I bought it for this weekend. What? Excuse me, Angie Hart? Something's going to happen to, at that cabin. Are you are you going to masturbate furiously? <laughs> I, th- I imagine she was going to take it back to her place I, and just have herself a nice, lovely no, bubble bath where she, she masturbates. She says for this weekend, and the plan is to go to the cabin well, to see the ghost for the weekend. Fair enough. Maybe she wanted to have sex with the ghost that she's been hearing Sexy about. time with ghost and Dr. David Hasselhoff. Oh, boy. So it's the, it's the, uh, the I guess, the, what's the other clue? He sees the bubble bath and the cigars. The axe. And it, the axe, yeah, I guess. Yeah, fair enough. And so he's like, oh, I had a dream. And they're like, well, come on, we'll go to the haunted house. And he goes, no. And she's like, well, go home and get some sleep. And he goes, no, I'm going to have some coffee. And then I'm going to take a walk down the beach. And then we're going to have another cup of coffee. And I'm never going to bed again. <laughs> the end. Oh, Dr. David. What an asshole. asshole. 
This is your job. You realize that, right, David? <laughs> it's not. It's not his job. It's not. It's, well, He's a lifeguard. <laughs> but that's his office. <laughs> oh, man. And Teague is just like, oh, you don't want to go? Yeah, okay, fine. <laughs> you don't want to go like, explore well, a haunted cabin? All right. Guess it doesn't man. really matter anyway. That's not a thing you're, anyone ever has to do for their job. I like to think Teague just looks up a lot of uh, tourist attractions. Yes. And he's like, a haunted house, eh? Well, we can check that out, I guess. <laughs> My God, the full moon. Um, I, I wanted to use this uh, as a little jumping off point for a... Uh, it doesn't have to be too lengthy a discussion. But uh, here's a quick question, Brad. Do you believe in ghosts? Mm. Hold on, let me define what a ghost is. Okay. A ghost is uh, the spirit of a being who was once living and has some sort of unfinished business or grudge that needs to be settled and so uh, walks eternally our plane until that uh, that moment in their lives is satisfied. Now that you know what a ghost is, did I mention that Spartan ghosts were the first to ever be reported? <laughs> now, now that you know that, do you believe in ghosts? Um, no. Okay. Recently, um, not even, not because we're getting into October and, you know, creeping into the Halloween season. I, I, I've just recently had a couple of discussions with people about ghosts. And saying that you don't believe in ghosts, for the most part, elicits a weird, uncomfortable reaction from people. Saying that you, from what I've noticed. That you don't believe in ghosts? Yes. I'll basically make a flat out case like, well, it's all nonsense anyway. And then everyone in the room will just go, uh, oh, well, I mean... That's okay. And it's just this weird, insecure, like, oh, you hurt my feelings. It's like, g- oh, you don't believe in ghosts. It's ghosts. Okay. Who the fuck believes in ghosts? Well, one of my friends very much does because, okay, so I have friends that just moved to the city within the past few months. And this one friend kept saying, oh, there's lots of energy in this building. Oh, yeah. I mean, I feel it all Do they the time. know what the word energy means? No, but he's he's connecting it to ghosts. There are spirits here. Oh yeah, energy. Yeah, I feel it all the time. This and he kept, he, he kept saying this building is ancient, and I went, this apartment building. <laughs> it's not ancient. On, first of all, <laughs> on Rosemont in Chicago. What exactly do you, are the Spartan ghosts walking through every now and then? No, no, no. Heralding their champion of the day. Uh, the Native Americans built this apartment complex, probably around. Uh, 1940s? Uh, I'd say easily uh, 5,000 BCE. This, well, you know, quick trivia about this apartment building. It's, it was built over an Irish burial ground. <laughs> Drunk Irish Chicagoans lived here, you know. I, so they kept talking about that. And then the, I just, I, after a while, I was like, I guess I don't have anything to contribute to this conversation. So I'm not even going to try to discount this person. But he kept saying, this isn't even a ghost story. He's like, oh, well, my family believes in ghosts. We think that our great-grandmother comes and visits us every winter as a blue jay. Why do you think that? The mother, apparently, his mother started talking about this, and she's like, oh, your great, yeah, your grandmother visits me every winter. I see, she, she always, she's a, she's a blue jay, and she, she lands on the rear view window of your father's car, and she looks right into the house, and I see her every, I see her every year. I see her every winter. Why would you think that? First of all, that's not a ghost. If anything, that's a reincarnation example. 
second, third, I don't know where we are in the list, but this family is technically basically very, very Christian. And it's like, so you believe in reincarnation? That's what you're saying. You realize that, right? Your grandmother is a bird, but somehow has the knowledge of her past self? Yeah, and how many times do bird la- birds land on your car and you just ignore it because it's a different time of the year? But it's the same, Blue Jay. But it's, no, it's not. not. But it's not. And, but then my friend proceeds to say, well, it brings her comfort. I'm like, well, then you know it's bullshit. Yeah, listen. Don't indulge these little mythological fantasies. There is value in believing true things and not believing in false things. Here's an idea. Believe that your mother passed away. Deal with that. I don't understand why people would want to believe in something that's not true. Well, I'm, I'm sick and tired. Well, I guess the, the reason I bring up the Blue Jay is because I'm sick and tired of ghost stories that are not ghost stories. <laughs> uh, this same friend said to me, I-, I woke up and clear as day, there was someone standing in my room. I, I knew it and it wasn't a malevolent presence. And that person just left the room and I felt, I felt at ease like it was a relative. And in my head, I went, that was a dream. That was a feeling in your head. You you it can't was a feel dream. you can't feel presences or energies. That's not a fucking thing. The brain is a very powerful, powerful device, and it can fuck your shit up. But that does not mean you encountered a real life ghost. And he was like, "No, it happened. It happened." I'm like, "Uh huh." What it happened? happened to your brain? What ha- you felt something? That's all. You felt that's... something, and your brain processed it in a crazy way. Um, and so, okay, so then my other big example is, uh, my friend Carrie and I were going, we were going to this thing called a theatrical open mic. And if that doesn't make you want to vomit, get ready when I describe it. Oh boy. So a theatrical open mic is not just stand up or poets or musicians. It's anything, man. It's anything. You want to workshop a scene? You want to improv a little bit? Was there storytelling? There was storytelling. Of course there was. The worst. Professional storytelling, I'm sure, which is the worst. Thank you very much. I've been realizing that more and more. I I know it's hypocritical of me to say this. I've taken improv classes and paid for them. I cannot imagine what it must be like to be the person who pays to take a storytelling class. And they exist. Yeah, they do. They exist. Anyway, this guy was there every time we went. Uh, Here's how he opened one of his freeform monologues. Tonight, I'm Abraxas the Magician. (laughs) (laughs) No, you're not. You're a douchebag at an open mic random night. In one monologue, he went from, I'm a magician, to theater is like magic, to let me talk about a wasp trap, to let me talk about my brother. So, okay, one one time he comes in and he goes, I've been thinking a lot about ghosts lately. <laughs> I want to talk to you about three ghost stories. Keep in mind that this guy always does a freeform monologue, and then with the last 30 seconds of his five-minute slot, he wants to do improv. And this is how he chooses to do improv. Does anyone want to volunteer to do improv with me? Oh. It's the worst. Did I volunteer? No. (laughs) So he goes, I want to tell you three ghost stories. Here's the first ghost story. I woke up, and at the foot of my bed, there was a tailor. I knew in my mind that this was a little man who was a tailor, and I thought to myself, this is an ancestor of mine. That's my first ghost story. My second... No, hold on. <laughs> Pull the reins back on the stallion. First of all... That's not a ghost story. First of That's all, not a ghost story. The phrase, a dream. the phrase, I knew in my mind. I knew in my mind. As opposed to... I, my heart. My gut. I don't know. My dick. 
uh, it was a tailor. Saying, it was. I could tell I because he had all of the implements of a tailor. Not even he that. Was hemming, he was hemming. He was hemming a pair of pants. Um, and I knew <laughs> he offered to I, help me put on a suit. <laughs> I knew in my esophagus first, then in my mind, then in my brain that he was a tailor. And then I knew in my heart, in my mind, in my esophagus that he was a relative of mine because he had our distinctive family nose shape. So we agree that this story is not a ghost story. It, this is not even a story. No, it's definitely not a story. And it's if I, I, in my head I was like, it's a dream. That's a dream. That's a dream. You, that's a dream you had. You're an idiot. It's not, You're a fucking. It's asshole. not even a story. It's not even an event. It's no. It's a thing in his head. Did the tailor say something to you? Like you got to sweeten this story. Like you know how people get a screenplay and they sweeten it. You got to sweeten this fucking story you've got going. Oh. Ghost stories are usually scary, right? A ghost story is supposed to be spooky on some level. That's tailors are not spooky. What are they gonna do? Measure your inseam and touch your balls by accident? Give me a fucking break. So his third story was identical to the first. I'll just say that. <laughs> So congratulations, you've told me two stories that are the same story, and it is a dream that you were explaining. And they weren't stories. Here's the middle story. You're going to love this. Okay. So he said, I was living in New York at the time, and my wife, well, I should say my ex-wife at the time, we were in the process of a divorce. She was living in another city. I was in New York City, and I was thinking about her a lot. I was really depressed about it. I'm talking just like him, because he's a terrible performer, Ugh. and he tends to talk like this, Ugh. like a professional storyteller. Ugh. I hate storytelling so fucking much. <laughs> um... He says, I'm walking down the street. There's this homeless woman. As I'm walking towards her, she looks at me and she goes, Where is your mother? Where is your wife? And I was stunned. I was shocked. How did she know? How did she know that that was happening to me? She didn't. So that was my second ghost story. Oh. My it's not a that, ghost that's story. Not, that, uh, that's almost a story. I'll give him that. You encountered a living, breathing, blood and bone person. <laughs> a person asked you a question. <laughs> a crazy person who was ranting on the street pointed at you and mentioned your mother, which has nothing to do with anything you've explained. Unless you're fucking your mom and she wants to be emancipated from you now. Funny story. I was living in New York. Um... I, I, had, <laughs> I had been uh, fucking my mother. Um, I, my wife had left oh, me because man. I was fucking my mother. I went outside. <laughs> I saw a bird and it chirped at me. And I thought, how does it know? <laughs> and I thought, I need to go see my tailor. So End here's of story. my ninth ghost story. <laughs> and he wrapped that whole thing up and the audience was flabbergasted. <laughs> Just absolutely, like, I was fascinated because I was like, I've seen this guy maybe four weeks in a row. He never ceases to amaze me at how stupid his stream of consciousness, how how much asinine bullshit that can produce. Could, could you, like, um, make sure to, like, uh, like, get the spot right after him and then just make fun of whatever he does? Because that would be amazing. I don't, see, the thing with this is we stopped going because it was so clear it was so sad to us because my friend Carrie and I, you know, <laughs> we're, we're, I'm in my mid-20s at this point. Carrie's still, like, Carrie's bridging into his mid-20s. And we went a few times. We both just looked at each other and went, we can't keep coming to this because we cannot become the regulars mm -hmm. of this open mic night that they do every week because every person that was a regular was over the age of 40. Now imagine that. I don't know what these people wanted to do with their lives, but this is where they came to. There's and something, they seemed to love it. And there's, love it. And, there, and you may be the only other person that, that understands this. Sure. But listeners, follow along. There's something especially 
awful and sad about those people that are in their mid to late 40s and they're still trying to do a thing that's not a thing. They're still trying to do improv, but old-timey yep. improv, and they're still yep. trying to be storytellers, and they're still trying to do these weird artistically artistic things in matters that don't matter, and they're just trying to be artists, but not really artists, and not commercial artists, and not personal artists. They're just trying to be something, and they're not that thing, and they never will be, but they keep doing it. Well, <clears throat> sorry. Well, to be fair, what I got from these people was that it was nothing but personal. It was so personal, and that's what, in my mind, cynically, if you want to say or not, I was just kind of embarrassed Mm -hmm. because I kept sitting there going, man, I understand that you love the fact that this is an open forum where you have five minutes to do literally whatever you want as long as you don't destroy the stage, as we were told many, many times. Uh, God, it just, there was one dude, everybody was a character out of a sitcom. It was like a sitcom where the ensemble is just a bunch of broken, wacky souls. Mm -hmm. Except it's not a sitcom, so it's much more depressing. Right. Uh, There was one guy who walked up and he said, uh, okay, uh, I'm gonna improvise a story for you guys. I'm gonna improvise a story. So to get me started, can I get three suggestions and I'll, uh, I'll, uh, I'll work them into the story. Oh no. I think I said, I think I said garbage. Someone said Burger King, third person said Snake. He goes, okay, all right. Heard Garbage, and heard Burger King, and heard Snake. Okay, all right, okay. I looked down at my hands and noticed that they were shaking. I looked around the interior of the bathroom stall and thought, I gotta get out of here. And, uh, oh, this fucking sucks. I'm not gonna do this. Uh, so, no one really likes me. Uh, I feel like most people, when I meet them, they don't like me. And I feel like I, uh, don't really have a lot of friends. I don't really know how to make friends. Okay, that's my time. Thanks, everybody. All right. All right. right. The the thing is, there's... Great job, buddy. When people just want to be personal on the stage, but it's not personal, like, they're not personally connecting with an audience. They're just... No. Being personal. You're being personal. (laughs) Yeah, you're just being personal. (laughs) You know, it's, it's like... I don't even understand what that is. It's not even writing. It's not even a diary because you're not no. saying anything that's being preserved. You're just you're just being there, but you're not there, and you're not there for well, anyone. This, this was billed as a theatrical open mic, so don't you think the act should have some sort of theatrical shape? It should have like a fucking shape, some sort <sighs> of presentational, rehearsed element. You, no, no, no. God forbid. I just. I, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, I just. I, I watched that episode of Baywatch Nights, and I was like, man, this makes me think of all the times people tried to tell me a ghost story, and it wasn't a ghost story. <laughs> and it wasn't a story or a ghost. You know what? If you want to tell me a ghost story, if it's scary, at the end of the day, I will go, okay, that's a ghost story. It, prob- <laughs> it probably it probably wasn't a ghost. It definitely wasn't a ghost. Right, because ghosts aren't real. But at the very least, what you just told me was a spooky ghost story. <laughs> Look at the hairs on my arm. They're standing on end. That's a ghost story, yeah. my friend. Yeah. A weird a event. A bag lady yelling at you. No. <laughs> a weird event that you're pretending is a ghost is not a ghost story. Okay. And people, stop being fucking idiots. Yeah, stop being stupid. And stop being uncomfortable when someone expresses a perfectly reasonable opinion about ghosts. Ghosts. <laughs> 
<gasps> don't get quiet. Don't get, don't look at your feet or your hands and feel awkward because you think you believe it. Here's the thing. You don't even know if you believe in ghosts. You think you saw a ghost one time. But Jonathan, can I ask, do you believe in Bigfoot? No, uh, I don't. Uh, um, oh. Oh, I'm sorry, Brad. <sighs> uh, uh, okay, great, cool. Um, I guess that's all right. Guess you just don't believe in Bigfoot. <laughs> Guess that's cool. If you don't believe in Bigfoot, I mean, Brad's, Brad's trying not to cry. It's Bigfoot. I, I mean, I thought we all just kind of agreed that Bigfoot was real. <laughs> uh, culturally, you know, we all understand that Bigfoot roams the forest. I met a Bigfoot once. Actually, it was a raccoon. But that's my Bigfoot story. <laughs> that's not a story. One time, I heard some noise outside. I was too scared to go look, but the next day I went out there and my garbage can was knocked over. Guess it was a Bigfoot or a ghost. This guy that I dated for like maybe a month, not very long at all, he brought over this TV show on DVD and it was one of those, let's recreate a tr- like a true horror story. Ooh. So we'll, we'll interview the people that were actually involved, but then we'll recreate it with really terrible acting. Wonderful. And it was this like possession story. So there were like devils and demons and shit. And this guy turns to me and he goes, isn't this really fucked up? Isn't this, like, scary? And I was like, well, no, because I I hated to be a jerk, but I was like, no, because the show's terrible. The acting is really bad. It's so clear that the story is fake. And he goes, you think the story's fake? He's like, why would they make that up? And I was like, to get on TV? And he's like, oh, well, I never thought about it like that. (laughs) He's like, but don't you think that's, like, really interesting? Like, don't you think it'd be cool if that was real? I went, well, yeah. I mean, that's why people like reading fantasy and sci-fi and watching those movies. But we understand that it doesn't take place in the real world. That's why it's fun. It's fun to imagine. (laughs) The thing is, and this goes along with religion, if these things were actually real, it would be the most important fucking thing in the world. We live in a pretty amazing world. <laughs> like, if if it turns out that there was there was spirits inside of us that after we died still d- hung around and had some kind of a life, that would be the most important thing. Right. Like, you, uh, these, uh, these people that kind of believe it, like, why aren't you spending all of your time, like, trying to find out more about it? Because if you believe it and you just are too lazy to, to try to learn anything about it, you're a pathetic fucking human. <laughs> if there's a magical sky god that can answer your prayers and perform miracles, and you think it's real, why aren't you trying to find out about it? If there's a chance that you could, that you could be tortured if you don't believe in it, why aren't you spending all your fucking time trying to find the evidence so that you can show everyone that it's real so they don't have to be tortured? What kind of an asshole are you? Well, Brad, as Morgan Freeman said in the film Deep Impact, I believe in God. I believe that he hears our prayers. Even if sometimes the answer is no. There you go. But it's the most important thing. Up, 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 up. It's the up, most important thing. I just want to keep doing my really terrible Morgan Freeman. <laughs> my Freeman. <laughs> oh, no. I'm racist. <laughs> oh, boy. I believe in Harvey Frank. <laughs> Harvey Frank? That was his name, right? Sure. Um, I don't even know what you're talking about. Ooh, there's a lot of energy. Do you feel it? <laughs> so much energy. Hmm. <laughs> There's a lot of unquantifiable, uncapturable energy in this room. There's a lot of generic, non-specific energy in this room. Um, I can really feel it. And by energy, of course, I mean... of our universe? (laughs) By energy, of course, I mean the ability to do work, because that's what energy means. It's a word. You don't get to make up new fucking (laughs) meanings for words, assholes. And also, energy isn't sentient. (laughs) Energy doesn't have a perspective. It doesn't come into your room because it wants to see if you're okay. Uh, You can't feel energy, you dumbasses. 
Oh, boy. It, it's a word hey, with a meaning. Do you want to go to the zoo? There's an exhibit where 600 of my grandmother is there. <laughs> this whole exhibit of just my grandmothers. So many grandmothers. So your grandmother can come back as a bird, and the only uh, fucking thing she does is come and sit on a car once a year? Your grandmother sucks. She just sucks. wants to check in. She just wants to check in. Why didn't she do something? Like, hey, don't get in a wreck. <laughs> Why doesn't I'm she flap around car. when you're like about to be in a car accident? Why doesn't she do? I anything? want to sit on the car to remind you to wear your seatbelt. <laughs> <laughs> hey, stop smoking so you don't get lung cancer like me when I was a human before I was a bird. They watch nights, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> the nights will never be the same. The nights will never be the same. Spooky monsters. I need to know. <laughs> This is the moment. <laughs> when I know my doubts. I love when he does the goat voice. Man. I love when he does the transformation. It's amazing. <laughs> oh, I love that man. David. Not as much as I love Angie Harmon. Well, friends, we're at the end of another episode. Ah, uh, I feel like we put in a lot of good work. We did, I think so. I think we've, I think we've done a lot of good today. You know what we did? Debunked ghosts. <laughs> Somebody From had to. From now on, no more ghost stories. We really are the Mitches of our universe. <laughs> we roll our eyes a lot. Yeah, but that's beca- only because people believe stupid shit. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> like but ghosts. We'll get back to that at another time, I'm oh. sure. But guys, get in touch with us. There's so many ways you can do that. Won't you? You can email us, ramjackpodcast at gmail.com. You can call us at 206-339-5894. That's the phone number, and I have it memorized. Unlike Alex, who says it every week and still doesn't know it. Uh, hit us up on Twitter, at ramjackpodcast. Speaking of Twitter, you can follow my twink ass. <laughs> Just find me at at J-O-N-P-E-R-N-I-S-E-K. That's J-O-N-P-E-R-N-I-S-E-K. John Pernasek. Do it. Follow him. Talk to him. Tell him your secrets. I I want more followers. So many more. Follow him. Oh, and also, do not forget to join the Facebook group, because it's the best Facebook group. I'm not on Facebook, or I would totally be there. You you should be there. All the happening nope. stuff's there. Nope. It's not enough of an incentive. I only use Facebook for the Facebook groups. Uh, well. Oh, uh, this week uh, we had uh, Tony Danza raping a bunch of people in Brooklyn. Thanks. Claire's posted a lot of awesome photos from her adventures in California, including Dr. David Hasselhoff's star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Ooh, shiny. So guys, you find yourself in a hairy situation out there, and you're surrounded by ghost birds. Oh boy. Just grab yourself a lead pipe and fight off all of those surprises. Once there was morning, now endless night. I will find the answer. I'll never desert you. I promise you this till the day that I do you really think that I would ever let you go? Do you think I'd ever set you free? 
<laughs> if you do, I'm sad to say it simply isn't so. You will never get away from me. All that you are is a face in the mirror. I close my eyes and you disappear. I'm what you face when you face in the mirror. Long as you live, I will still be here. All that you are is the end of a nightmare. All that you are is a dying stream. After tonight, I shall end this demon's dream. This is not a dream, my friend, and it will never end. This one is the nightmare that goes on. I need to stay, no matter what you may pretend, and I'll flourish long after you're gone. Soon you will die, and my silence will hide you. You cannot choose but to lose control. You can't control me. I live deep inside you. Each day you feel me devour your soul. I don't need you to survive as you need me. I'll become whole as you dance with death, and I'll rejoice as you breathe your final breath. Live inside you forever. No Satan himself by my side. No!